For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. So the sun this morning. Oh, I started a sentence with so. Somebody find me. Uh, where's the euro tip jar I need to pay uh, snow is expected to fall this week uh, according to uh, the red tops but when you drill into the story it looks as if it's more likely to be above in northwestern coastal areas up around Ulster and Connacht uh, and that we shouldn't get any of it famous last words says you wait till Wednesday or Thursday and the snow starts to fall and I have egg in my face again but snow expected to fall this week but further up north I'll have more on weather in a few minutes time um, I don't know whether people at this stage are going to be calling it the big freeze. Uh, but flake flake news for the south, I suppose. The north of the country, possibly, yes. Uh, more on another story a little later this morning with Barry Rhodes, Southern Correspondent with the Irish Times. But it is the story of a man who has now been charged with the alleged rape of a woman found partially naked and hypothermic in the grounds of a derelict house in the Castle Hyde area near Formoy. This is a 39-year-old man who appeared before a special sitting of Bandon District Court on Saturday night, like very, very late or in the early hours of uh, Saturday into Sunday, I think, uh, charged with the alleged rape. You might remember we reported on this story, uh, the rape of uh, the 21-year-old girl in Fromoy on November 19th. Uh, and she was lucky that she was found when she was found by the Gardaí because she was suffering at that stage with, never mind the assault and all of the injuries, because I think she... Uh, was uh, was badly caught trying to get through brambles and what have you, the misfortune. But she was also hypothermic. So that's a story that's also picked up by the Echo today where they also say that um, the uh, man in question was charged with the rape at Castle Hyde and Moy, uh, the rape happening on November 19th. And uh, he's been remanded in custody to appear again this Friday. So more on that uh, a little later this morning. But staying uh, in the Formoy area, there was another another rally at the weekend and this time it was hundreds of people who turned out for a midday rally in Formoy on Saturday to welcome refugees and to show solidarity with those seeking, seeking safety in Ireland. And uh, the, some of the, the placards said, uh, everyone is welcome here. Another one said, there's a warm welcome here in Formoy. Uh, this is their new home. Uh, if you live here, you belong here, is a headline from the Examiner this morning regarding the same same rally. Uh, more than 300 people apparently gathered to show support for refugees and asylum seekers and to demonstrate uh, that if you live here, you belong here. Formoy is your home. Uh, meanwhile, over 300 Cork residents are set to become new Irish citizens today and indeed tomorrow. Down in the INEC in Killarney, 3,500 people will receive their certificates of naturalisation and take the oath of fidelity to the Irish state. They will become naturalised citizens of this country and they're from 130 different countries uh, around the world. Um, and that's the story that makes uh, the on papers this morning and you heard in the news there that welfare rates are set to double as in the more tax you paid throughout your working life uh, the more you will get if you lose your job um, so it'll be kind of graded it will be depending on how long you worked and how many PRSI countries but like a typical example of, of it would be uh, workers with a history of employment will qualify for up to 450 euro per week. Now, at the moment, um, the the payment for unemployment benefit is 208 euro a week, but that will go up to 220 a week in January with welfare changes following September's budget. But like they're saying, as an example, a worker with five or more years of PRSI contributions will be entitled to 60% of their salary 
capped at €450 per week. So that is a substantial increase and notwithstanding the cost of living and everything going uh, so expensive to go from say in January 220 which would be the base rate to 450 is a substantial increase your thoughts are welcome on that incidentally text 0868 104 and um, very interesting stories regarding um, how you get home after socializing or indeed uh, from A to B by way of hiring a taxi because there's still about 10% of taxi driver numbers that haven't come back since before the pandemic uh, that equates to about 3,000 inactive taxi license holders it's a story that makes the mail today and I was also reading it this morning on RT online where they're saying that 90% are back working but of that 90% only 30% of those taxi drivers who are working only 30% of them work on Friday and Saturday nights. Now, I'm not sure whether that figure is relative to only Dublin or across the country or whether it's true of Cork as well, that only 30% of taxis in Cork are only working on a Friday and Saturday night. When they drilled into it then, uh, they found that the main reason why so few work on Friday and Saturday nights is because of safety concerns. Um, and of course, they could be very varied, the safety concerns, you know, as to how safe they are in the taxis with regards to uh, picking up people on a Friday or a Saturday night. So that's an alarming figure because one of the articles in, that I read in the mail this morning says passengers are reporting waiting up to two hours for a taxi in Dublin on weekend nights because supply is just not meeting demand. Now, there are also those that are saying that Uber, in the true sense of the word, where private citizens could be Uber drivers, would very much alleviate the problems at the weekend, particularly if only 30% of taxi drivers want to work on Friday and Saturday night. Uh, Papers also this morning uh, talk of issues before the courts, and you really should mind your own business, because it'll get you into trouble if you don't. There was a guy who had nothing at all to do with a particular situation. There was a man being arrested in Cork City, right? And this other guy then, who'd been out socialising, starts to shout, shout verbal abuse at the Garda. He calls him an effing scumbag three or four times, certainly three times. So a fellow called Dan Sheehan from uh, Churchfield, he didn't know the man being arrested, didn't know why the man was being taken into custody, but he stopped and repeatedly abused the arresting officer, calling him an effing scumbag over and over and over again. Anyway, that got him into hot water and he ended up before Judge Olin Kelleher, who convicted him and fined him €300 Euro for engaging and threatening abusive and insulting behaviour. Uh, but he apologised, at least... He said he'd been socialising with friends. He came across something he didn't understand on the street uh, because it was, of course, a perfectly uh, lawful arrest. But, I th- you know, I should have mentioned this, actually, when I was talking about uh, waiting times for taxis. Uh, John Kearns has a story making the front of the, ma- the mirror this morning where, you know, we know of wait times uh, at the CUH and we know of some occasions when there could be five or six ambulances waiting to offload patients at the CUH try, trying to get them into the hospital system they could be waiting an hour two hours or longer God knows I spoke to people who told me that people were five and six hours in the back of ambulances but the story that makes the mirror today is 11 ambulances parked up outside Our Lady of Lords Hospital in Drogheda. And the TD uh, who's commenting on this from up the country, the Sinn Féin TV TD, says people are going to die if you have 11 ambulances parked up outside a hospital because there's no beds or trolleys inside. The chaos, because of that, of course, as we all know, results in ambulances then, all 11 of them, off the road and unable to answer emergency calls. So people are going to die, 11 of them, waiting outside one particular hospital. And then other... Um, you know, health-related stories. 
include another one from online this morning where nursing homes are closing. 17 have closed in Ireland so far this year. 17 so far this year. And one of the main reasons is that um, it's just not profitable for them anymore. The cost of care has risen by 35% in the last few years, whereas the fair deal rate that they get has only risen by 11%. So when you do the maths, it's just not profitable. So 17 closed in Ireland nursing homes uh, so far this year and notwithstanding that there's less places for people to go and live and be comfortable it also means very very big job losses and then don't even start on housing they say that we need 70,000 houses because there are 70,000 planning permissions now waiting to be signed off on so that 70,000 houses can be actually built never mind the amount of derelict building sites I think that maybe developers and builders might get a grant to finish those derelict sites you, you've seen them they're all over the country you can go through towns and villages and usually on the outskirts of a town and a village you will see an unfinished uh, housing estate so um, it's a front page of making uh, the mail today and other property for sale well there's certainly talks going on now between the uh, people behind Cork's Marina Market. Oh, and English has this story online in the Examiner. Cork's Marina Market owners are in talks to buy Douglas Village Shopping Centre. So that would be the Tesco Shopping Centre, one of the longest uh, established shopping centres. Uh, you know that it was closed for a long period of time after the fire in the car park that devastated it. But apparently it could well be on the market for around 23 million. And apparently the owners of the Marina Market are in talks to buy Douglas Village Shopping Centre. Now, what they intend to do with it if they buy it, I don't know. Either leave it as it is or move the marina market into it. I have no idea what the plans are. I'm quite sure that many of the businesses in there have existing leases. So I would imagine if they did, it would be to leave it as it is or make it even better than it is. Uh, but it's an interesting one. Um, it's a lot of money, isn't it, uh, for Cork Marina Market to find $23 million to buy a shopping centre. Uh, and something that we dealt with on air last week, of course, are pit bull attacks and indeed dogs on the dangerous dogs list. That story continues to run. The Independent this morning says there's been dozens of attacks involving pit pit bulls being reported to the local authorities. Apparently more people now are coming forward saying that they have been attacked or a family member has been attacked by a dog on the dangerous dog list, particularly pit bulls. So dozens more have been reported to local authorities since the story of Alejandro broke last week. And I have to update the amount of money that people are going to spend at Christmas time. Apparently one of the papers said last week it was just over €900 Euro per family. It has now gone to €1,200 Euro according to the Irish Independent. And one of the things that everybody's trying to get their hands on and I know it to be true because I was in, um, where was I? DID Electrical and also Harvey Normans on Friday night just doing a bit of browsing and buying bits and pieces. And they had an unmerciful run particularly during Black Friday, in air fryers. Um, never mind the trendy, you know those steamers you can do for clothes? They, they, they look like a gun, but they steam the clothes standing up. There's been a big run on those two. I'm not quite sure what the right word. They're, they're not steam irons. They're not like they, they're like a steamers that steam the clothes. Apparently they're very effective. But the trendy fryers are just going off the shelves. Um, and you can spend anything from like 89 euro to 350 or 400 on some of these air fryer gadgets. But the latest thing that I've discovered regarding um, my beloved air fryer is that you can actually bake a cake in it. I never knew that. I mean, I know you can get the most fantastic whole roast chicken out of it. 
in a fraction of the time and a fraction of the cost of the oven. But apparently you can also bake a cake. But they break it down this morning as to why it's gripping home cooking. The latest trend. Ah, sure, like my air fryer's got to be 10 years old, 12, 13 years old at this stage. It's on its last leg. So there's nothing new about them, but they're flying now. And one of the reasons is they break down the cooking time of all sorts of different things that you might do in it. Um, now, the, the, the three things that come up very well in the kitchen are the air fryer, right? The microwave, which apparently is the best way to cook a, a fluffy baked potato. P.S. Do not put uh, a baked potato into tinfoil and then into the microwave. <laughs> Just don't do it. Take my word for it. But the other one then is the pressure cooker. I don't know how many people now use pressure cookers anymore. Uh, but back in the day, they were all the rage. Every home had one and it was constantly on the go. Um, and of course, it's a very healthy way to cook and fraction of the cost of the full-on cooker or induction hob and hood. So well, there's some of the reasons. I just mentioned it. But, um, you know, get your name on a list if you're looking for an air fryer because they go very, very quick. And one other thing then, uh, well, two actually. One is food related. Um, and this is December, but soon the days will get longer. 21st of December and then of course many people are already thinking about booking summer holidays if you want to protect yourself from sun damage or indeed sunburn now is the time to start eating lots of grapes because scientists have found that people who ate two and a quarter cups full of grapes every day for a fortnight were better protected against damage from UV light so I would imagine that two weeks before your holidays you need to start consuming two and a half cupfuls of grapes every day they do not say whether they're what colour the grapes are, whether they're the white or the black grapes, but I'm quite sure the photograph says somebody munching on black ones, so maybe the ones that are recommended. But the story of the day for me has got to be research out of Swansea University. They spoke to a thousand adults. Do you know the difference between polygamy and polandry? I didn't. Well, polygamy, apparently, is where a man marries more than one woman, and polandry is where a woman marries more than one man. Now, these I know that there are other ways of marrying, and you have same sex and things like that, but I'm just talking about now from the point of view of the research. Extra- extraordinarily, 32% of men who were surveyed said that they were open to the idea of more than one wife. of women said they were open to the idea of more than one husband. So 32% of men who were surveyed said they were open to having more than one wife. Now, I know that there are countries in the world, none of which I can remember off the the top of my head, where polygamy is, is legal. It's not to the best of my knowledge here, but it would mean, you know, more than one wife would mean two wives. So that would mean two homes, possibly two sets of kids. Two sets of bills, two sets of summer holidays. Who do you spend Christmas Day with? Would it be the morning with one and the afternoon with her? I don't mean to make light of it or be disrespectful to anybody, but does anybody think that 32% of men opened the idea of more than one wife? Perhaps they're saying that they would be doubly happy. Not on my business, but I must say I thought 32% was a high figure. Don't you? Would you be open to it? Would you be up to it? <laughs> More ways than one. Text 0868104106. The Neil Prendeville Show on Courts Red FM. Two-time gold winner at the Emerald Radio Awards 2022. Lines are open. You can get involved in the conversation. Pick up the phone 0818104106. So let me get stuck into where I started this morning with the weather forecast. Um, flake news. 
Um, well, if there's going to be flakes, will we get them or will it be further up? Do we need to dig out the winter woolies or indeed the terminals? Alan Kelly's with Carla Weather. Alan, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Alan O'Reilly. Sorry, my man, Alan O'Reilly. My sincerest of apologies. What an awful way to start the week by calling somebody by the wrong name. But anyway, I won't make that mistake again. Tell me, is the snow on the way? If so, where so? There's not much snow on the way, but there's a lot of cold on the way. Um, we could see some wintry showers, certainly from Wednesday onwards, but probably the other end of the country from you guys. So looking more up the north. Um, and might be along the, the coast in the east and the west but generally it's hard to forecast snow in Ireland anyway yeah. even a few days out it's tricky and we always have to say get the cold in first and then worry about the snow so it, 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 there will be some wintry showers um, but probably mainly in the north maybe the east and even, even the west coast So those wintry so showers will be sleety snow in the north up around Ulster and Connacht? Yeah, well, from Thursday onwards, there'll be more snow than sleet now, to be fair. Oh. Um, the only thing is, close to the coast, they may well be sleet because the, the waters around our shores are much higher temperatures than normal, um, which, will, which will make it harder for, for snow to fall near the coast. But further inland, certainly, will be snow showers. The, the main thing, really, I suppose, is we, we haven't had a, a real blast of cold in, in quite a while, Neil, so... We're looking at temperatures dropping down, even in parts of Cork, to minus three, maybe minus four degrees. Overnight um, or by evening? Yeah, by overnight. But the days are very short, as you, as you alluded to there in your, your last piece. Um, and temperatures are going to get, probably struggle to get above two or three degrees from Wednesday by day. I see so that. I not. see by about four or five o'clock Wednesday afternoon, the county of Cork will be down to two degrees. Yeah, and and the problem is is that the, there will be there will still be some like kind of light showers at times, especially um, the next for today. There'll certainly be showers, but Tuesday, Wednesday, so anything surfaces that stay wet is going to turn to ice, and ice is probably going to be the biggest issue that oh, we're going God to have. About that, yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, because there's going to be very little thaw, and obviously the heating builds, given the the cost of heating builds. Um, is going to be a, a big issue because, as I said, the, the cold is, looks like it's going to start, stay now until at least the weekend. The weather models have really been struggling beyond Wednesday or Thursday, but they've come come to a fairly good agreement now that it's going to stay cold right into the weekend. So we're looking at a week full of, of kind of cold weather. Um, and when that wind starts blowing, the wind chill will make it feel even cooler. So even if it's it might be two or three degrees, but in the wind chill, it could be minus two or three oh, degrees man. by day. Yeah, yeah. Because we then, have been very lucky, haven't we? It's been very mild for this time of the year up to recently, hasn't it? Oh, November, I mean, was phenomenally mild. Absolutely. I mean, it was very wet, but it was very, very mild. So we really haven't seen a cold spell in, what, seven, eight months? Mm. Um, so it's going to feel like a shock because it's, it's, so, it's been so mild in November. But we, we have some low-pressure systems out in the Atlantic that are modelled to kind of try and push back the cold um, at the end of the weekend and into next week. And that's when things get very tricky and very interesting from a weather point of view. Because if the cold wins out, the cold spell could last into next week and could last for a lot of next week. Right. Which would prolong the cold spell. When you say cold, are you still talking threes and fours kind of thing? Or yeah. Low? Still, still, and, and some of the weather models show it even staying maybe one or two degrees, oh, you know, crazy. so, yeah, so you're looking at possibility of two weeks um, if that scenario plays out. The other scenario is that the, the milder air pushes up for at least for a time and gives us less cold. And then there's the kind of very slim chance that it, you get a kind of a perfect storm where one of those low pressure pushes up and meets the cold air and then we have a risk of snow. 
Um, now that's a long way off and it's very uncertain at the moment so it's not two points spending too much time dwelling on next gotcha. week yeah, this it, isn't coming it, from the east incidentally it's coming from the north it's coming from the arctic isn't it yeah so we, we had an easterly wind that's now switching to the north so yeah it's going to come down from the arctic the only thing is, is that the, again the waters up there above the north coast are warmer than normal so it will modify the air a small bit to kind of take some of the real kick out of the, the cold. But the longer that that cold keeps feeding down, then the colder it's going to get. And then that increases our risk of seeing something uh, a little bit worse than what we're seeing this week. Gotcha. So be prepared for cold weather. It's chilly enough now, but by Wednesday we'll really see it. Uh, and who knows with regards to the snow, but I wouldn't be putting any money on it. But would you be banking on any kind of uh, odds on a white Christmas down around this part? Yeah, well, these scenarios, so we have what's called Greenland blocking and North Atlantic ciliation, which basically means that if this cold lasts and if those low pressure systems in the Atlantic don't come through, we could see the cold last right up to Christmas. That is a potential risk. And obviously, the longer the cold is there, the more risk there is that some low pressure system like an Arctic low or something will drop down and, and dump the snow on it. So the longer that the, that the cold lasts, the, the increased chances of snow. So I wouldn't be get, I wouldn't be betting against it, but I wouldn't be betting for it. I'd the kids would love it though, wouldn't they? And not so sure about the adults, but kids would be over the moon about a white Christmas. I think most people, if they could get all the Christmas shopping done, could get the food in, and then, as the, as the song goes, let it snow, you know, because <laughs> it's, it's, it's been 2010 since we had the last White Christmas. So what? we are really long been 12 overdue. Years. Right. Yeah. yeah, so we're long overdue one. But uh, the only thing I'd say to most people at the moment is just, just allow a little bit of extra time in the morning. So you're going to have to defrost your car, could be icy footpaths, could be icy roads. So look, just take your time, allow a little bit of extra time. And if you know any vulnerable or older people that maybe you're worried about turning on the heat or, you know, maybe they're not burning as much heat as they need, just keep an eye on them because this cold spell is going to bite the vulnerable and the elderly by the end of the week. Well said, well said. Alan, as always, thank you so much for taking the call. Appreciate it. Alan O'Reilly from Carlo Weather. So you will notice it from Wednesday. It's going to get very, very chilly. And of course, he's giving, he's giving good words of advice there. Also, you know, you, you think about people who will be working outdoors uh, for a living. And that's a lot of people who work outdoors. I mean, builders obviously come to mind and farmers and uh, people who work on their feet and what have you outdoors. And it's going to be cold and chilly for them. So thermals on. Also, fishermen at sea. You know something? We have absolutely decimated our fishing industry. We have destroyed it. And it looks as if, um, and a whole lot of people don't seem to realise that, uh, what happened because of Brexit and the European Union to fishermen was nothing short of an absolute disgrace. They've, they've decommissioned and they're literally paying people who fish for a living with fishing trawlers and boats and everything money to put them up on chocks and blocks or to sell their trawlers and their fishing boats. Um, it's absolutely insane. And when the latest, the last deal was done uh, in the European Union, and this is coming from the horse's mouth, and I've been talking to fishermen an awful lot about it, there's actually a shortage of a lot of fish because uh, they haven't been able to get out, uh, or indeed the weather hasn't been kind enough to get out, or they're not allowed to fish. Um, but apparently the European Union um, did all sorts of deals, particularly I'm told when Britain left the EU and all sorts of deals were done. Um, I think farming did fairly well out of it. All the farmers might disagree with me, but according to fishermen, farmer got, farmers got the benefit of a lot, but it was at the, the detriment and to the sacrifice of our fishermen. Uh, and a lot of it had to do with their catch quotas and stuff like that. But yet if you look off the west coast of Ireland, only the apps that are, that are fishing, there's a tremendous amount of fishing trawlers, very close and dangerously close to Irish waters from Spain and France and Portugal 
and places like that. But what has happened, and if nothing changes, very soon we're just not going to have any fishermen left at all because they're absolutely being totally and utterly hammered. Uh, lines are open. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Cork's Red FM. Big response to the back end of last week. We were talking about a lot of different things regarding law and order. One was whether or not the Garda Shikana should be armed. Another is had to do with uh, why we haven't got enough Garda in our street and streets. And many were suggesting it's because of the pay and the conditions. The guards will tell you that themselves. One woman who was on the air said that she had uh, a relative who came out at Templemore on €61,000. Now, a texter said to me, you left her off way too easy, accepting everything she said as gospel, that a foot soldier out of Templemore will be on sixty-one grand. You should have challenged her. Well, I did. And I found it very hard to believe. In fact, I thought I was in disbelief when she said the figure. But we did check the numbers just to be absolutely sure if anybody could come out of Templemore on 61 grand, and they cannot. In fact, for 32 weeks leading up to when they come out of Templemore, the trainees receive an allowance of €184 per week for 32 weeks. And in the first year of service, the last statistics that I can find for somebody out of Templemore on their first year of work on the pay scale, it's just under €34,000. It would take them 19 years on the job to get to 55,000, 19 years. It goes up very, very slowly and in tiny amounts. And there are many years when it never changes at all. Like you could be one, two, three, four, five years on the same salary. And then you could be another six or seven years on another salary bracket before you rise at all. So 19 years service and you're still earning 55,000 euro. And that's way short of the 61 grand that she claimed that somebody she knows came out of Templemore. So there are the figures on it. You can't argue with them. Starting rate, the last ones that I could get my hands on, just under 34 grand. And even after 19 years, it would take you 19 years to get to 55,000 euro. So happy to come back and update on those statistics and numbers. Uh, to the phone lines we go. And I mentioned in the newspaper review that uh, Barry Roach has extensive coverage of uh, a 39 year old man who has now been remanded in custody, charged with the rape of a young woman who was found half naked and hypothermic. Luckily, she was found by the Guardian time. Uh, she was found in the grounds of a derelict house. She'd been out um, socialising with her friends uh, in Fromoy uh, for a 21st birthday party on the night of November 18th. Barry Rhodes joins me from the Irish Times and he picks up the story from there. Barry, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you doing? What, what are the guardies saying happened after well, she is, left the party? Yeah, go ahead. Well, this is a court. Uh, a was charged in Bandon, special city in Bandon on Saturday, and uh, he was charged with the rape of this young woman. Uh, obviously, uh, there's a presumption of innocence until such time totally. as the man's status changed uh, via conviction in, at the Central Criminal Court whenever he goes on trial there. But what Gardy were doing, they were objecting to bail for him, and in the course of that, Detective Sergeant Danny Holland, he's attached to the Protective Services Unit based in Fermoy, he told the court that they were objecting on a number of grounds, the seriousness of the offence, the strength of the evidence they say that they have against them and then the fact that they felt he was a flight risk as well. So in the course of outlining the strength of the evidence that Gardy have gathered in the case, we heard what Gardy alleged happened, as it were. So we heard that this girl, or woman, young woman rather, she wasn't uh, from Fromoy. She uh, was visiting uh, the, the town to attend the 21st. As you say, she was at a nightclub there and she left. Uh, well, she went to the nightclub on the night, the Friday night, the Saturday, the 18th, I think. It was, yeah. Uh, certainly the 18th. And then on... Um, 
later that morning she left and she became separated from her friends uh, one of the friends got a phone call from her at 2am calling for help and then the phone call was cut off and then five minutes later to 35am uh, or several of the friends received a snapchat message from her again asking for help and so they began searching around for Moy but to no avail and around 5am they contacted Gardaí Gardaí examined the snapchat message the one sent at 2.35am and they established that it had been taken in the Castle Hyde area of Fermoy. They can do that, can they? That's incredible. Well, I presume somebody must have recognised the, the, the... Well, perhaps maybe it's a technology yeah. uh, rather than yeah. an actual recognition of the photograph. No, I was assuming it was recognition of the photograph, but maybe yeah. you're right. It might be that they were able to ping the phone or something like that. Gotcha, but yeah. They, at any rate, they went to Castle Hyde. How far is that from, from the town? It's about three miles outside okay. on the on the, the other side of the uh, on the northern side of the town of the Ballyhooley Road, and um, they began a search, as I say. And at around eight a.m., they found the young woman in the grounds of Derlick House. There, the, she was naked from the waist down, uh, save for one sock, and she had scratches and cuts in her arms, as if she had run through scrub and brambles and so forth. She was hypothermic, uh, Detective Sergeant Holland said. And although she was conscious, she wasn't really responsive and wasn't able to explain to Gardy how she'd got to uh, Castle Hyde. He said, it was lucky she was found when she was. I would have had serious concerns for her health and welfare, he said. She was taken to CUH then, where she was treated for injuries, and then she was brought to the South Infirmary Victoria University Hospital, where she was examined at the Sexual Assault Treatment Unit. Gardy began an investigation. They started looking for CCTV and harvesting CCTV around from I. And they were able to establish that she was, uh, when she came out of Keys Nightclub, they said she she appeared intoxicated because she was stumbling. And she began flagging down cars on McCartan Street and she got into the back seat of one of them, one such vehicle. They looked at the CCTV, they were able to get a make and model and a partial reg and then they uh, were able to track that through uh, heading out towards Castle Hyde and Ballyhooley, Castle and Roach and all the villages in North Cork. They could actually track it on CCTV moving. Yeah, yeah. they actually okay. had a good line and yeah. it, to be very fair, yeah. it's good work done on yeah. that. Um, and they contacted the Department of Transport, uh, checked how many cars matched that make and model with the partial reg they had and they had one and they traced it to an individual at an address in Munster. Uh, they arrested the guy uh, on Friday, I think, brought him to band from Igarda Station. They took a swab uh, from him the young woman had given uh, swab samples at um, South Infirmary and they sent it off to Forensic Science Ireland, got that back very quickly and they got a match that uh, the same DNA was there so they then uh, proceeded to charge the guy. Uh, uh, they questioned him, did he say anything? Yeah, he said that uh, he told them that he had picked up the woman in Formoy, she'd got in the back seat, fell asleep and when he tried to wake her from the driver's seat he couldn't and he, she was so drunk he thought she might have been drugged. Then, uh, going out Castle Hyde, he reversed the car down the lane, we got into the back seat with her, he said, uh, and removed her boots and pants and underwear and had sexual intercourse with her before she got out of the car and fled. And he threw her phone and her clothes out of the car and drove off. Uh, Detective Sergeant Holland said that the guard, he found the woman's phone hidden behind the tree off the main uh, road there, some 200 metres from where the woman had been found, and then they found her clothes at the side of the roadway, another further 200 metres on. Um, he said, in addition to the strength of the evidence that the guard felt that they had against the queues, they believed he was a flight risk as he'd only moved to Ireland two years ago, and in those two years he'd returned to his native country six times, and they feared he'd flee if granted bail. Dahi O'Donovan, a solicitor, um, 
cross-examined Detective Sergeant Holland, who agreed with him that the man had been at the same address with his wife and children for the past two years, but he said there were no bail conditions that would satisfy Gardaí uh, in terms of signing on and so forth, curfew that would satisfy Gardaí, as they felt uh, he, he was a flight risk. So Judge Colm Roberts then said that taking all the factors into account, such as the seriousness of the charge, the strength of the evidence that the Gardaí uh, said they had in the case, and the Gardaí believed he would flee if granted bail, he refused some bail and he remanded him in custody to appear at Tremoy District Court on December the 9th, which is this Friday. So he's back up to North Cork now in custody. Well, he's in custody and appearing then, as I say, back in North mm. Cork. It was a special sitting in Bandon on uh, Saturday that he was charged at. Mm. Mm. Okay, and of course our, our yeah. thoughts are with that with that yeah, young girl. Yeah, yeah without a doubt. Horrific, horrific case. Uh, really uh, quite shocking. But, you know, good work done. Uh, uh, making the point again, of course, this man is innocent until proven uh, guilty, but to get, you know, Gertie obviously put a lot of effort into the CCTV examination, which led to things, and then. Yep, you know, the absolutely. And the let course, the courts the case, now. The case, the case, yeah. course, no? Let the courts take their course yeah. back again before for more district, for Moy District Court. Uh, in four days time Friday I believe isn't it yeah Friday yeah. okay Barry as always thank you so much for the update text 0868 Barry Road Southern Correspondent with the Irish Times pick up the phone actually you know, we were talking earlier on about it getting very very cold uh, and of course that means that thermostats will have to be increased and it will cost people more money in the coming days and that's when it's really going to bite isn't it uh, you know when temperatures drop and people need to turn the heating up I got to an interesting photocopy of uh, an HSE article saying stay warm and well this winter. It's easy for them to say stay warm and well this winter. Somebody said to me, in God's name, how are we going to keep up our heating at €11.20 for five hours of heat? Um, And it's actually backed up with the statistics to prove that, broken down into uh, the electric cooker or the tumble dryer or the immersion or even a plug-in heater. You want to be very careful about those damn plug-in heaters because they can be very, very expensive uh, so can an electric shower and what have you. Never mind the gas central heating and the oil central heating. And uh, you break it down into a five-hour period where you have the gas heating on or the oil on. It works out at €11.40 for five hours. Um, so that could be said not even a day, you know. I mean, like what, if, even if you were to put it on at 5 o'clock until 10 o'clock at night or 4 o'clock until 9 o'clock at night, that would be 11.40 every single day for oil central heating and 11.20 every single day just for five hours of gas central heating. Multiply that by seven days and multiply that again by four and you can work out yourself what that would cost per month across the winter. Lines are open. Text 0868 Pick up the phone on 0818 Calls on the way. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818 Red FM. I want to chat with Anthony because I don't think he's available after 10 o'clock this morning. He joins me by phone. Anthony, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Good, my man. Just in relation to uh, Fermoy, of course, um, the first uh, rally was against uh, refugees moving into the town of Fermoy. We know about that. And at the weekend on Saturday, it's about 300 people gathered who would be saying the opposite. If you live here, you belong here and you're welcome here. There's a warm welcome here in Fermoy. It's your new home. Um, were, were you at either of those rallies? I was at both, Neil, and I'll just correct you on the first one. It wasn't anti-refugees. It was um, more for the truth on who was moving into uh, a school grounds, and that's kind of the answers, and it was all parents of um, kids in the school. Okay, it's a a convent they moved into, isn't it? 
Yeah, so it used to be a, a nun's convent, but the problem is when you actually have to get into this building, you pass a Montessori on your right-hand side. Okay. And you also pass um, a play school on your left-hand side. And do we so, know the individuals who arrived? Um, where are they from? So this is where, this is where I, I sat down last night with a counsellor in the town, Noel McCarthy, and he, I asked him, one of the questions I asked him were these Ukrainian refugees because the parents with kids in these schools were told that they were. And uh, Noel told me that none of the people inside in the complex are from Ukraine, that they were from Georgia, Jordan, and while he couldn't specify, he said Africa. Right, Georgia. Jordan. Jordan. And, and Africa. And Africa. He couldn't and specify the, 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 the parts of Africa, he just said Africa, but he will come back to me. And we will have a sit-down interview. So, Neil, my goal here in all of this is to I know, find and, the and, truth. And, and, and I'm mad keen to get the truth, believe me, because yeah. uh, otherwise things are completely unbalanced. But So, of those exactly. then that have come into Fromoy, uh, men, women, children, families, what? So, I, was, I, I recorded a video on it. To be fair, Neil, it, it is a lot of families in there. As far as I know... There is one man, but he has his three or four children with him. Now, I did. I sat in a chipper the other night. Two of these guys were left out at about nine o'clock, and I approached them, and they spoke with me openly. And um, they asked me in the town where to go get food, so we went down, and we got food in a place in town, and I sat down with them, and I spoke with them. One of them was a man from Algeria, um, had been living in the UK for seven months, and his wife was pregnant and the two of them decided to come to Ireland to seek asylum. The other man was living in Turkey with his wife and three kids. His three kids were in school in Turkey. Him and his wife were working in Turkey in Istanbul and um, came to Ireland to seek asylum. Right, and they told you this face to face? Face to face, Neil. Okay. Um, no, no, no I'm with you so far. So you're saying yeah. Georgia, Jordan... Africa, Algeria, Turkey. And the examiner this morning are saying that they're understood to be fleeing war in Afghanistan, Somalia and Syria. So that's nine, yeah. nine different countries, none of which yet has mentioned Ukraine. None mentioned Ukraine. And again, Neil, I suppose the, the parents of the town, and I have spoke to a lot of people in the town um, on this, and they're just worried that, you know, these are people we don't know. They don't, they're not racist like they have been branded they just want to know who's on the school grounds looking out a window because in this grounds right while they're not Noel told me last night this is not a school grounds he said they're in proximity to a school grounds but they can also look out the top window down on children playing in both of these schools so we just want to make sure that's not a crime no it's not Neil no Jesus it's not but we just want to make sure that you know these people are legitimate and that, you know, you, I don't know if you've seen some of the stuff that's been happening around the country. There's videos of men, single men grabbing women in Clarny. You now, I'm not saying that our own Irish don't do that. Because they do. Like, because they do. But they do, of course. But I just want, like, are we going to be bringing in people from all over the world? But, and but and the question I asked Noel last night is, can anyone seek asylum in Ireland? Can any country, no matter where you come from, seek asylum in Ireland and he couldn't answer that question. Well, to most of my knowledge, you can, but you go through a process when you do. You see, we've got 63 
um, applicants who are in Formoy, right? 25 of them are children. There are 19 families um, and there's eight single women. Um, so by and large, they're families. They're husbands, wives, mothers on their own with children, couples with their children. Why would they be a threat? Like there's, there's a, one of the articles this morning that makes the examiner is a quote from Maggie Blackley, who currently hosts four Ukrainians in their home. She says, I'm here today because the sort of society I want to live in in my family uh, is to con- be a, w- a welcoming and compassionate society. We have the delight and privilege of having four lovely Ukrainians living with us, two mothers who are best friends and their two little boys. They're lovely, lovely people and the kids light up our house. Again, Neil, just to give it, U- Ukrainian, and we have no problem with Ukrainian refugees coming into this school because that's what we were promised. This, this is what we were told as parents that there was going to be Ukrainian families coming into this school and we found out recently it's not. And can I just jump so back... So there aren't any Ukrainian refugees fleeing war. They're more likely to be Algerian, Turkish, Georgian, Jordanian, African, Afghani, Somali and Syrian. Living in the complex, yes. Okay. But, if, but, they're we all, but if they're all fleeing war or fleeing some forms of persecution, doesn't that not make them welcome, No. Um, yeah, I, I have no, again, Neil, I have no issue with anybody coming in who's a genuine asylum seeker. But I ask you the question, Neil, is a man living in in the UK with seven months, um, how can he come into this country and claim asylum while he was in the UK with the last seven months? Yeah. And how can a guy from Jordan who was living in Istanbul for a year with his kids while they were in school in Turkey come into this country and claim Istanbul? Neither of them are war-torn countries. Mm. So you believe they shouldn't be left into the country in the first place? I just, I, I, they should be left into the country. I just don't think it's right that they claim asylum in this country if they were in countries that could have took them in as asylum seekers. Yeah, there is, there's other quotes in the article saying refugees are human beings who are fleeing war-torn areas with the risk of rape, persecution and murder and we should be welcoming. We should be decent people and do the right thing. You don't okay. disagree with that in the case of where that's the reason they're here? Exactly, Neil. And I think the majority of people who are following me on social media are of the same opinion. But we you do, no but you problem. drill in a lot to everything then that they get for free. They're living in converted rooms with, I suppose, I don't know, partitions and bunk beds in a convent. Yeah. You know, I mean, what, what, what's, so, what's so glamorous about that? There's nothing glamorous about it, Neil, but see these people from what I've again sat down with you and I'd love to actually meet you in person and show you this video because I wouldn't send it in because um, I don't want... There's there's a lot of information on this video that would, I suppose, turn everything on its head from what we're being told. No, feel free to send it in to me. I won't share it with anybody if you wish. But your, your issues then is that they, they ultimately will, will be housed, will have free health care, free what schooling. What homeless? Like, um, at this rally, I'm just, just let me get back to this rally that they held, this anti-racism rally. What an amazing message they sent. Where refugees are welcome. And I did agree with that message. I thought it was a beautiful message that they sent out. And refugees are welcome in for my... Now, Noel, or Neil, sorry, I have been in for my, my whole life. My whole life I've been here. And, I, and while you have um, said it was hundreds... I would say 150 maximum was at that rally. Mm. The same held on the rally the previous day. It says 300 on Saturday. I know, it says it on a lot of newspapers. And again, they they overdo it. And some, look, some media have their own thing. And I'm not going to get into that. It doesn't right. bother me. Okay. Um, 
And well, how did just finally, because under pressure, and I know you are, but how divided is Fermoy on the topic? Oh, it's like it's like you're either a racist or you're not. There's no in between at the moment, and I'm trying to find that in between because I'm not. Again, I'm not on either side. I lo- I I, re- I welcome refugees into the town with my arms open, and I, I again after I had that interview with the two lads and the chipper, I shook their hands and offered them a spin home. And I said, welcome. I said, you're really nice people. I said, welcome to Fermoy. And they were delighted and they took off and they went on their way and I haven't seen them since. Mm, mm, mm. Okay. So again, we're, we are welcoming you. We just want answers. We want the truth. Like, wh- how can these people that are living in countries that aren't war-torn, weren't war-torn with so long, come in and seek asylum in Ireland? Why couldn't they do it in their last country? <laughs> Let's uh, throw it out to the public. Thank you for taking the call. Do stay in touch, Anthony, though, if there are any developments, yeah, will you? Can I just, before you go, can I say one more thing? Yeah. There is a rally tonight again outside the complex of Loreto. Um, it's not against anything, or it's just we want to speak with the owner of this complex because he holds the answers as far as we know. The answers to he what? As to are these people, who these people are, and and another thing is, are they staying here? And if they are, that's no problem. But are we going to be like on a, a conveyor belt? Is there going to be people coming in and out of this thing? Or uh, yeah, if if they do move people? to other uh, accommodation exactly. facilities, will more come in to replace them? Okay, well, exactly. good luck with that. If that these families yeah. might be lovely, Neil. And again, right. I can't stress okay. enough from what I've seen, they are lovely. And thanks for having me on, Neil. I okay, appreciate it. come back to me if you have an update in any way. But if you certainly have talked to the people in the convent, do let me know. Anthony I will, Coley. I will, Neil. Okay, Can right. I have seven if anyone's around? Thank all you. Right, thank you, Anthony. Uh, we're endeavouring also to get somebody to speak on behalf of the convent if that happens. I'll come back to it. Text 0868 Back after 10. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from 4. Dave Max Drive. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Just a gentle reminder as well, if you were affected in any way by my conversation with Barry Roach from the Irish Times, you can uh, avail of the rape crisis helpline phone number should you wish on 1-800-77-8888 the rape crisis helpline on 1-800-77-8888 get it off your chest text the neil brinderville show now 086-8104-106 0818-104-106 your calls texts and always are welcome but it is time now to dig deep down into my bale or bag of hamper emails let's do some this, of course, courtesy of ourselves and the Paddy Box. Now, you can send a Paddy Box to the four corners of the world yourself. Now, the hampers that we're giving away are about 70, 80 euro worth each. But you can start on hampers on paddybox.com from about 39.95 and you can send them all over the world to loved ones. You can send a box of Irishness around the globe. www.thepaddybox.com So I would like to nominate my granddad, uncle and four cousins in America for one of your hampers. They're based in Indiana and Michigan. I haven't seen my granddad in 14 years. We were due to visit when the pandemic hit and had to cancel our flights. Uh, Morgan says, I have two children he has never met and they're his first and only grandchildren so far. And my uncle and his two boys had a trip planned to visit us and my grandmother seven years ago but she fell ill with cancer 
and he had to come for a quick visit on his own. Thankfully, he got to spend a few days with her before she passed away. He went back before the funeral. I felt so sorry for my cousins who hadn't seen her in years and missed her by just three months. But I'm lucky my granddad is still with us and I hope to we will replan a trip as soon as we can. We even missed a family wedding in September as my newest child was born. They love their roots. They may be based in Indiana and Michigan, but they love Ireland and Cork and would love one of the hampers to remind them of home, uh, particularly if it's filled with Cadbury's and Tato crisps. Well, it certainly is, Morgan. It certainly is. Please send one of your hampers to my daughter, Sarah, in Albufeira, Portugal. She's been there five years and has not seen her first grandchild, Caden, who was born during COVID. She also missed her dad's 70th birthday, but is hoping to get home next year, please God. We think a paddy box would be so appreciated. Happy Christmas to all, says June McCarthy, about her daughter Sarah in Portugal. I'd love to get a paddy box sent to my little grandson, Maxi, who lives in Munich. He's six years old and he loves everything about Cork. He proudly wears T-shirts with Cork printed on him. He loves Tato sandwiches, Tanora, rashers and black pudding and of course any kind of sweets he was born in Cork but moved to Munich when he was only four months old he would dearly love one of your hampers that's a lovely one for grandson Maxi we'll see what we can do that's from Margaret by email I'd love one of your hampers for the great Thady Bransfield in Karlsham Sweden Thady was born in Cove moved to Cargilline remained there until a beautiful Swede crossed his path Thady works in he worked in Rosie's in Cargilline and Charlotte, his loved one, was working in this, in stables in Mungstown. They met, got along like a house on fire. When Lotta was heading home to Sweden, as in Charlotte, uh, Teddy must have realised that he'd be losing he'd be losing so much, and he moved to Sweden to be with her. Twenty five years later, two kids, five pugs, doesn't get home often, but is proudly a Corkman, and it. As proudly a Corkman as he ever was. And that's an email from John and Bernadette and little Tady. Um, he's not so little now, he's 16 years old. About Tady Bransfield in Sweden. My sister Eva lives in New York with her lovely husband and baby. She's spending yet another Christmas in New York without, uh, without our ma'am who passed away in 2019. My ma'am was also living in New York since 2002 but was born and bred in Cork. Anyway, my sister Eva, I would love her to have a bit of home as she loves her Tato and Cadbury's purple snack bars. She's coming home to Cork in February and we can't wait to see her, but I would love her to get one of your hampers. I think originally we had the yellow club milk inside in the hamper, but we substituted. We've changed it now for the purple snack because they're much more popular. I'd love, love, love one of your fabulous paddy box hampers for my nephew Kevin, who's in Melbourne. He only recently moved there with his girlfriend Fiona. They are loving it, although they miss the family and friends. They also miss their munchies and treats, especially Tato and chocolates. Kevin's Hurley and Helmet have been sent over, stuffed with a few goodies, but I know they'd be oh so happy to get one of your hampers to get a scrumptious reminder of home. He can work off all the extra calories playing his beloved GAA with his new Australian teammates, and I'm sure he'd even share them. Many thanks, Neil. Happy Christmas to everyone at home and abroad. That's a lovely one. Uh, about uh, nephew Kevin from Claire Cooney. And I'll just do one more for now. Christmas is fast approaching. For the first time in 10 years, I'm not sending my Irish gifts to my son in Australia. He moved to Australia 12 years ago and hasn't been home in five years. I did go for Christmas in 2019, but COVID happened the following March. He'd love to receive, he loves to receive his box of Tato's 
and a and a, a scatter box of celebrations. I scattered a box of celebrations into the box of potatoes. Box of potatoes is only a fiver, but to post them this year would be thirty-five euro. It's just not worth sending anymore because it's become crazy expensive. I'd rather send him the money to have a meal out. He moved to Brisbane twelve years ago. Loves it there. He got work with a local guy from home. He's his right-hand man now. And he met a lovely girl from Charleville called Sammy. Her mam owns Charisma in Charleville. It's a shop in Charleville. And they're saving hard to buy a house in Brisbane next year. Please help me to send a nice hamper from home to my son. It would mean the world to me. Christmas is tough for most this year with rising costs. But anyone that has a family and good friends knows it means a lot when they receive a gift overseas. Hi to Shane and Sammy in Brisbane from Mam Eileen McCormack. That's a selection for you. Keep those emails coming, Neil, at redfm.ie. And from tomorrow, we'll be picking winners. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. It's the most wonderful time of the year. I should I say one doughful time of the year because we got a lot of dough for you. Offbeat Donuts have given us another box of donuts to give away this side of midday. So if you think you deserve them, tell me why. Text 0868-104-106. Their new store and they got lots of Christmas donuts at the new store on French Church Street, including the Christmas gingerbread donut, the caramel Rudolph, the white toffee crispy. They're even delivering to your office or home. And we'll be delivering as well by Red Patrollers. So text 0868104106. That box of donuts will have, I don't know, something between 12 and 15 donuts. So lots to go around. Oh my God, we have fabulous family passes this week for Fundamania, the Christmas village. Now it opens to the public on the 16th and it runs to the 8th of January. It's off the charts in brilliance. It really and truly is because you get two hours unlimited access to all of the fairground rides at Fundamania Christmas Village. There's also a trip to Fawcett Circus at Fundamania Christmas Village as well. You'll have all the wild rides, the circus show and everything to get you in great form. So it's the Fundamania Christmas Village. You can book directly yourself uh, through fundamania.ie. But we have family passes to give away right across the week. And it's going to be same place, Tremor Road, just opposite Musgrave Park. And it's going to have lots of food stalls as well as the thrilling rides and a real Christmas feel to it. So family passes to give away every day this week for that. And do you remember I was telling you about Jimmy Crowley, the butcher down in Middleton? He sent me the most beautiful piece of spiced beef, which I ate on a few Reuben sandwiches. It was the job, uh, really and truly the job. And they do very well in McKenna's Guide Awards year in, year out. Well, Jimmy Crowley Butchers has only gone and sent me turkey and hams to give away every day this week. So the Craft Books Butcher providing all sorts of goodness to people in the Middleton area and further afield providing me with vouchers for turkey and ham every day this week, every time you hear a Christmas song. You know the all-important phone number for all of the above, 0818-104-106. I was in conversation over the weekend, Neil, with a group of friends, a question in relation to the extra help that people are getting with fuel and cost of living and double payments. Why are people on illness benefit being excluded from getting all of the help with regards to safe fuel and cost of living. Do they not need it or what is the reason? Some of these people have been working all their lives and have been paying taxes all their lives. So just due to illness, they can't work. Is it correct or have I been misinformed? If it's correct, I give up and will have lost all my respect for the country. People that sponge off these people's taxes are again better off. Those that never work or wish to work. People are penalised for getting sick I believe that that is not fair. Uh, Let me just read some more text. 11 ambulances waiting outside a hospital in Ireland as no beds are available. Our government solution to this nightmare is to give even more unlimited immigration into Ireland and as always, no deportations ever. Um, 
somebody was suggesting that uh, the punish that there is actually a punishment for polygamy. More than one mother-in-law, says Steve on the Tremor Road. <laughs> Those of us blessed have had wonderful mother-in-laws would disagree with that, but I know about the mother-in-law jokes. This is referencing the fact that in a survey done in the UK, 32% of men who were asked would be in favour or would consider polygamy, as in having more than one wife, like two families, I suppose, and all that goes with it. Why, oh why, did you give as legal reasons for not naming the man who... Um, well, he's been uh, the, the the reason for that is that this this individual has been charged, right? He's been charged. That's very different to anything else. A charge is where you will have your day in court, where it must either be proven or disproven that you committed a crime. It's on that basis that he has not been named for legal reasons, not as Frick is suggesting, because he is a non-national. Nothing at all to do with that. God love this poor girl. Her life is ruined. I hope she gets help because she needs it. But again, I have to ask, why aren't you naming this man? Um, I think it's fine. You, you, text away all you want, but that's the law here. You know, you, One is innocent till proven guilty. There'd be far too many people who would be named right, in the media and all of that comes with that and then found not guilty in a court of law. All I'm saying is that's the law, you know, that's the reason. I'm raging that another suspected foreigner in the country possibly arrived unscreened. Uh, For God's sake, when is the government going to screen these predators coming in? The gates are open to all sorts. That poor girl, again, can I just say, innocent till proven guilty, there will be a day in court. Uh, While this foreign suspected rapist was in court for allegedly a travelling troop of professional virtue signallers, none of them whom have taken any migrants or refugees into their own homes, are holding a refugees welcome rally in Formoy. What is it going to take for people to wake up? Anyone who claims to abhor violence against women but refuses to address our immigration policies, our processes and our procedures is a fraud and ought to be held responsible for the horrific consequences, says Richie. Uh, Morning, do you think we should have a dangerous breed list for humans in Ireland, just like a dangerous dog breed list? We could do a dangerous human or nationality list in Ireland. Yes, and first country you'd have to put on that, of course, would be Ireland, because we ourselves have our own criminal fraternity too. There were 100 people in Fomoy on Saturday, not the hundreds that you continue to report. Please report the facts. I'm not in a position to go on air, but I did see the rally myself. I'm not anti-Ukrainian. They have to be helped. But the people arriving without papers should not be left in. Listen, I'm only reporting what I read in the newspapers. I wasn't in Formoy. The Examiner and the Echo reporting 300 people at the rally on Saturday. If you think there was only 100 and you saw it with your own eyes and counted them, then you're right. Tony says, the do-gooders in this country of the country ruined, looking after others before their own. You're at it again, putting racists on the air. These racists are the scum of the earth, but you love them stirring up racial hatred. It's time to change stations. I think maybe that would be a good idea for you. No disrespect, and far be it for me to lose any listener, but you clearly were listening, but didn't hear what was being said. Um, And I think that's the problem that often this word is used and it's a form of abuse. I don't believe uh, that the points that Tony were making are as right-wing as you're suggesting or indeed uh, as militant as you're suggesting they were, but you, you, maybe you only choose to hear what you want to hear. Anyway, text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Sharon, good morning. Uh, my apologies, the line slipped on me. Can you hear me now? Sharon. 
That's the weirdest thing, guys. I can't pull in any phone numbers, sir. Any, I got a thing I got it now. Sharon, good morning. Are you there? Hi, good morning, Neil. Fantastic. My apologies for that. What's on your mind? What topic did you want to pick up on? Well, I just saw the post on Facebook, you know, about uh, a double dole or people or the government really kind of looking into a, a different way of making these payments, right? I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Are you talking about that people who worked and paid more tax would get higher yes. unemployment benefit if they lose their job? Yes, okay. yes. I mean, I'm going to generalize here, right? I mean, everybody's situation is, is unique and there's a lot of exceptions going on. But in general, what we see is people that are losing their jobs good paying jobs do not do so by their own account right they just yeah. don't think one morning I'm going to wake up and be like that nah, I don't want to work anymore yeah same with people that uh, uh, you know for whatever health reasons uh, whether that's physical or mental uh, you know maybe be out of work for an X period of time um, no, I don't know about that. I think it's if you lose your job. I'm, I'm not yeah. sure whether you, whether it would be because you have a disability that prevents you from working. But an example of it would be um, anybody who has, this is a major shakeup. Anyone who has worked five years or more will be entitled to 60% of their weekly salary to a yeah. limit of 450 a week. Yeah. While for everybody else, I mean, it's graduated down. There are other payments. There's another one then for um, workers who have worked between two and five years would get 300 euro. But the base rate would be 220 from January. Yeah. Um, great. Uh, that there's going to be an increase. However, I, I personally still don't think it's enough. I mean, uh, if I would look at my own situation, being the, 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 the head earner of my family, for example, if I lose my job tomorrow and we go from a nice wage to 220 euro, even, in all honesty, even if it would go up to the cap of 450. The chances are for you it would if you've been living, working all your life. The chances yeah. are you would be getting 450. Like I'm, I'm not Irish myself. I'm here 12 plus years by now, but I haven't gone a day without working. But here. then you would be one of those that would get 450 per week. Well, I mean, I uh, I'm also one of the lucky ones, I suppose, that uh, is owning her own house. Uh, my mortgage payments will still go on. My other bills would still go on. Um, obviously, you take out a mortgage based on what you are earning. I mean, you get, you know, you go through the ringer. You're in trouble if you lose your job. You'll be in trouble. Um, Not as much trouble as somebody who's languishing on 220 euro absolutely. a week, though. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely not uh, Not as much in trouble, and I, I do really appreciate that. However, you do live to your means to a certain degree, right? I mean, everybody has to write when you, when you earn, when you start to earn more money that you, you know, can maybe do a few more things. I think that that's a very natural thing. We can't always be working and live to the means of, oh, what if I lose my job and I only get the 220 euros? Mm. That's not how you can live or base your, your mortgage on. They're trying to protect people from a cliff-edge drop in the event that they yeah. had a good job and lose it in the morning. I suppose yeah. the first encouragement would be to go out and find another job, right? Absolutely, but I mean, before that, that can happen, you know, it could take a couple of months. And in a couple of months, if, if you, you know, if your, your savings aren't there, which is, you know, it's not easy to save up in the best of times, mm. um, how, how can you be supported then? I mean, it, it's very, you can quickly get into a large financial debt. Yes. And but at the same time, it, it's a radical proposal, even though you suggest that it's not enough. 
absolutely. I mean, look, I mean, it's, I'm delighted to hear that something is being done about it. I mean, that that's fantastic. It's maybe because I compare it uh, uh, to where I am from myself. Uh, I, go, I, I work in a very international environment. So I have a lot of people I work with from uh, the Nordics, the likes like Denmark or Sweden, etc. Like, a lot of things are just dealt with a lot better for people. You know, why do they have higher unemployment role. benefit? Yeah, like it would be based on your on your uh, on your wages. So, uh, so we're catching up about, with that. We're catching up with so, that. Yeah, and I mean that that's great. But I think the only people that would penalise no, but I mean the only people that seem to be penalised here are long term unemployed who, for whatever reason, don't work, haven't worked, and don't want to work. They stay at two twenty a week. Yeah. Now there are there are other bonuses. I understand that and other add-ons, but that yeah. basic rate remains the same. Absolutely. Well, I mean, if I look at myself, I pay uh, uh, quite a high tax. Um, with me, a lot of a lot of other people. Again, if I lose my job tomorrow and I get the four fifty, it will be tough. Um, compare it to your home country, the Netherlands. If you lost your job in the morning, what would happen? So um, uh, organizations or companies that employ uh, uh, above an X amount, I don't know the, the, the exact number, you need to take out an insurance. So when one of your people loses a job, uh, uh, you, you send off that information to, to the government, to the uh, uh, insurance companies, etc. So for at least 12 months, you will get your full pay. So you get 12 months to be looking for uh, another job. Now, there is, you need to do things. You need to do an X amount of interviews. You need to be looking, yeah. Yeah, so there there is an organization as well, kind of like a welfare organization that would keep track of you and would stay in touch with you. As in, like, are you actually going out looking for a job? Are you applying for things, whether that be in your your range? And, uh, you know, are you actively looking for work? So there are countermeasures so to speak you don't just get your 100% of your wages you just you need to do a few things mm, for it mm, mm, um, mm. with the aim of not being unemployed for the full 12 months of yeah. course but at the same time um, it does leave people who don't have a good work history or haven't paid a lot of tax languishing um, yeah. at a time when things have just got so expensive on 220 a week plus benefits extra benefits and that that's impossible to survive on she she's not talking about Absolutely. doing anything there. All they're doing there is putting it up by twelve euro a week from two oh eight to two twenty. Yeah, exactly. And I mean if you look at all the increase of the current prices, that, that inflation doesn't even add up, right? Um but it's, I mean they're they are reviewing it, they're relook they're looking into it, the government, etc., on what they can do or up it. And I think that's really great. I just don't think it's the solution for all. Whether okay. it, I think regardless of, of uh, that they're upping up the payment, people will get into financial trouble. Even on four fifty, what do you think the figure should be a week? If not for the suggestion, four fifty should be based more for individual. So <laughs> Ireland really likes standardising things, you know, as in this is an amount and that's it. Um, uh, I think you should you have to a bit more of a look into people's personal situations, like you know, what are your bills, what are your reoccurring costs, can those at least be paid? Have you calculated that for yourself if, God forbid, you were to lose your job? What should the figure be? Absolutely, absolutely. So my own figure would be, uh, and I wouldn't have have done uh, any shopping yet, right? (laughs) Just the bills. Um, I would be looking roughly two grand. 
a week. No, a month. A month. Sorry. So f- yeah, but it's not yeah. far off. Oh yeah, shopping. It's f- they're capping it at four hundred and fifty euro. Yeah. But you would need five hundred euro plus shopping, which could be another hundred to hundred and fifty. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I can be creative with uh, uh, beans on toast for a while, but you know, you need to do a bit of shopping. I have a child as well. They need uh, uh, they need a clothes to wear. They grow very fast. Uh, you know, there, there's just a lot of things that come with it as well, or unexpected cost, uh, washing machine breaks, you name it. Um, but what would that figure be? Six hundred then for per week? Yeah, to make uh, ends meet. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's get other people's points of view on this. Thank you so much, Sharon. Text 0868104106. Talking about people who go out to work for a living. And I was telling you how we have absolutely seen before our own eyes our uh, fishing fleet being decimated. And much of it, of course, at the behest of the European Union. I'm not a fisherman or related to any, but there is nothing more galling than seeing Spanish registered juggernauts bombing down the Cork roads, laden down with fish heading for the Rosslare Ferry. You can be bloody sure that the Spanish, the French, the Belgian, and the Dutch would not treat their own countrymen with such betrayal as we have treated ours. We're an island after all and someone is making money or promoting this feeding through. It's called the European Union. They have destroyed Ireland and our children's future. Keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. Calls on the way. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. Johnny says, listen to last Friday's episode of your show on podcast over the weekend, and a couple of things struck me. At the beginning of the show, you reported that a man had assaulted another man, his neighbour apparently, and got a six-month suspended sentence. And then later on in the show, you spoke to a man who had spent time in prison, who had come across people who were in there as well for failing to pay their television license. So you assault someone, you get a suspended sentence, but if you don't pay your TV license, you get a jail sentence. That pretty much sums up our judicial system, which has gone beyond a joke by now. Um, And then to put things in perspective as to how much, um, not so much a, well, I suppose a housing crisis for sure, but trying to pay your bills crisis. Morning, Neil. How are you? I'm listening to the show every morning. I'm a single mum with two teenagers in my world to look out for. My electric bill is in arrears and I'm going to be disconnected. Um, Actually, when this email came in, actually, uh, and it's a few days old now, the disconnection was penciled in for the 1st of December. Uh, I've been paying 30 euro off it weekly when I can. I've been in touch with Mabs in Charleville. My whole house is run on electricity, so if I'm disconnected, we can't shower, and my lads can't do homework, and we can't have something to eat. So I'm asking for help on this one, Neil. I can't go on air. Kind regards. Now, my apologies. Uh, I didn't see that email until the back end of the week, so I don't know what your situation is right now. Forgive me for sounding naive here, but I had thought that nobody could be disconnected, that all sorts of systems kick in before that actually happens. Is it a case that people are actually being disconnected? Now, you might suggest that perhaps I should know that, but I'm honestly asking because I didn't think that that was allowed to happen, that some kind of a plan. And certainly with the help of MABS, I hope that that hasn't happened. But I don't know if you're listening to me now or not, but if you are, were you disconnected? Because you talk, of course, the whole house being run on electricity, so you can't shower the lads have no light to do homework and you can't cook her. But also, you're heating. Uh, and by Wednesday or Thursday, we're going to see a major dip in temperatures. So that's alarming. So please do come back to me and let me know, has anything happened 
uh, to improve your situation since you got in touch with me and I will come back to that I promise you text 0868104106 you can email neil at uh, redfm.ie Rosari good morning good morning Neil now I know you? You, I know you have to be on, on speakerphone so there's a bit of feedback there but thanks for taking the call you wanted to pick up on um, the amount of people from all over the world who are coming to live in Ireland and use it and, and make it their home right I am. Now, first of all, I want to say that I do think there should have been a cap on the amount of refugees coming into the country. Not for for the specific reason that we need to be sure that we have the amount of services available to feed Irish people and to keep people that are coming into the country. If you don't have that amount of services, you just bring in the amount of people that you can treat fairly Irish people and people coming from abroad. Yeah, I know that, but you, I just you, want yeah, to make that yeah. clear. Yeah, when Michal Martin said even from the beginning that there wasn't going to be a cap. Yeah, he did, and I, I, I don't agree with that. I think it's unfair to everybody. I can, and I do understand people being frustrated about the fact that groups of people be putting into towns or villages that haven't proper medical services, that haven't proper trans services or that haven't school places. I do understand people's frustration with that. But what I don't accept is people, say for example now, if a crime is committed by somebody from abroad, I don't accept that people from from that country, that everybody from that country should be treated as suspected criminals because of one individual. I, don't, I think that is, that is racism, whatever way you put it. That is racism. Mm. It's just a very safe... And it happened, it happened again this morning. I'm not dwelling on it because it's a topic that is, it is an incident that is before the courts. But the minute you think of, hear of a crime that's been committed by somebody from another country, I get texts then criticising our, our, our immigration system. Yeah, for example, my brother is living out in North India and he's the only white-skinned... He's living up near the, the border of China. He's living and working there for the last 10 years. He's the only person with white skin living there. He's the only European living there and he's in a minority of Catholics. And I say to myself, how would I feel if there was crimes being committed out there and they pointed at him? How do you feel, though, about a how woman who just emailed me to say that she's a single mum with two teenagers and is being disconnected this week? Well, I'm surprised. I know she said, I heard you saying there now before I came on here that she was, uh, that. that's not the fault of the refugees, Niall. That's the fault of the government. That's the fault of the way the pricing of the SB, the SB have, like they're getting away with, with everything the way they're pricing. I know, but is, 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 is it unreasonable then for people to say um, that we have a young mother with two teenagers about to be disconnected, whereas somebody coming into the country, I'm not saying this, but there are those that would say, and yet they will be provided with everything they're food, their heating, their shelter, um, social welfare and medical cards when a single mother with two teenagers is being disconnected. It's Where is the emergency services kicking in for her to pay her electricity bill? No, it's not unreasonable. And I'm answering you that. It's not unreasonable. It's unreasonable if you don't blame, don't blame the government and you blame the refugees. That's when it becomes unreasonable. It's unreasonable if you're blaming the wrong people. So our anger, anger of people should be turned towards the government and politicians. It is, and, yeah. and I know I have people, I've been working for politicians in various ways for years, and I know I'll get, I'll get the backlog for this, but it's the truth. It's, it's who you're blaming. It's who you're blaming. And I can tell okay, you as well, someone messaged you, someone messaged you during the, during the morning and they said, any of those people in Fermoy didn't take in refugees. They did. Because I know people who were at that march and they did take in refugees themselves. 
They did, and I quote, I know they did, and if you were listening, I quoted one woman who has four Ukrainian refugees, two mothers and four, two children, and the loveliest people you'd ever met, they're living in her house. And there was a lady online during the weekend, and I follow this a lot. But, uh, I mean, I've got, I got, mess, I got a mess, you, I mean, you get awful abuse if you say any of these things. I could say, you don't care about the Irish. I've worked with Irish charities for nearly 30 years. The first time I worked with, I don't know whether you ever heard of Ringabella, that Vincent de Paul used to have a place called Ringabella no. for children from the city over 30 years ago that was my first starting working with them and at that time listen to this now and this will tell you Irish people at that time we used to take men from Cher down there and we used to have them there during the summer and we used to take them up to uh, Robert's Cove there was a bar up there and there used to be abuse given that time because the riffraff were being brought up from the city and these were lovely lovely men and women Lovely men and women from Sharon yeah. Cork. Yeah, so we can and be nasty to our own. Mind you, most yeah, of the good work exactly. that you're describing was work done by volunteer groups and organisations that have to fundraise. Again, we're, we're back to the politicians in the government of this country just sitting on their hands in times of emergency and crisis. Like, that's for exactly instance, Anthony, sa- Anthony said to me that in Formoy, and he spoke to them, I don't know. This is what he said on air. They're from Algeria, Turkey, Georgia, uh, Jordan, Africa, Afghanistan, Somalia and Syria. He asks the question, why are they here? Why would they come to Ireland? Where were they beforehand? And why aren't there any Ukrainian refugees? Surely that's not racist to ask that question. It's not. No, it's not. No. But you see, the point I'm making is this protest was outside the pro- I'm talking about the protest during the week now, the early protest, was outside the convent, outside of the building in Fermoy, where there are men, women and where there are children. Yes. And they are being, like, they, they're all being tarred with the same kind of labels. The women and children, can you imagine a young child now going to school and he knows that there was a protest about him or she the, the, the previous week? Do not think it comes back on them and they are genuine refugees. I'm talking about genuine refugees. But, but 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 there are at least 3,000 who have come and are being put up in emergency accommodation um, by the state who destroyed their documents on aeroplanes. But, but that's the fault of the government, not the fault of all the genuine refugees. That's the point yeah, I'm making. Genuine, no, I know, and you make it very strong. You know, what will happen then? Because we've got about 64,000 Ukrainian refugees. That will continue to rise. Let's suggest that by April, that figure could be 80,000, maybe 90,000, or maybe less. Maybe the war will end, I don't know. What will happen then when all of the hotels decide that they're going to evict them for the summer tourist season? And again, I say the government have not planned for this. The government are at fault in this because they have not made proper plans for these people. Now, I will say many of the Ukrainians are working. They're paying their taxes and, and they want. This is another thing. You see, the people are saying they're looking for and they, they include the Ukrainians on this because I've, I've been following it online. They say they're looking for freebies. They're not looking for freebies. There are women here who had good jobs over in, over in Ukraine. Some of them were teachers. I met one woman. She was an electrician. They were engineers. Surely to God, they didn't give up good jobs on purpose and come over here to Ireland to get dole. Uh, no, um, I can actually drill into the figures of the amount that are actually working um, and I think I might have them here well, we know that there's 7,000 are currently living in private accommodation uh, 3,500 are in receipt of accommodation payments about 400 euro per month um, there's 12,500 Ukrainians who have already enrolled in schools um, 22,000 of the new arrivals um, are seeking employment. Now, I don't know whether they are employed or are seeking employment. 
So, but that that's a fairly substantial number who are already and working. I'm, and I'm glad you called out those. And, and fairest, you know, you do give both sides very fairly. You have to give both sides. You can't make any argument for one thing if you don't yeah. listen to another side. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that's true. And you do, and that's true. But, you know, children, go, like, for example, now... They have a no, 22,441 new arrivals have got jobs um, and noted that their English was a challenge to securing employment. But... You know, that's that's a high amount working out of sixty two thousand, isn't it? It is, a, it is a high amount, and people should be recognising that. Like that's what that's what I can't. That's what annoys me. I, you know that people are blaming. There are very, an awful lot of genuine refugees here. I've met women who have like they, they don't know whether they ever see their husbands again. There was one child who was trapped in a bunker over in Ukraine and his grandparents' dead bodies were near them because they were trapped there before oh, they I know. came here. There's horrific stories, but there's is, still 3,254 people arrived in the state with no documents, even though they had them getting on the plane. So if they get to stay here, they arrived here illegally. I couldn't do that in America, incidentally. No, you couldn't. But, no, but, and I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with that at all. But that 3,254 then become a burden on the exchequer. They do. And that's the government's fault. Okay. It's not the fault of the of the genuine refugees. That's okay. the point. I mean, it is the government's fault, and it's no one else's fault. Okay. Now they do have to register when they come into the country. Like they do have to do that, and they have to say their like their location will always be known. But it, it, that's, I'm just saying that like, they do register when they. But that's not the fault of the refugees. But if so I act, if I got off the plane in JFK, they'd send me home, or Pearson in Toronto, or I'm sure the same would be if I managed to get as far as Australia. They wouldn't. They wouldn't. Surely let me in, would they? They were, and I tell you a good one now. Uh, our, our, the, I'm very involved in the GE, and our culture and integration officer is a Muslim. He's a Muslim. He's been in Ireland. He's a fully Irish citizen, and he was born in Iraq. And he's been in uh, here in Ireland since he was just a child. And he was invited by. The, he travels around a lot doing uh, ambassadorial work for the okay. GE. Yeah. And he was invited to America this year, and he wasn't allowed on the plane because he was born in Iraq. Yeah, there is a ban. Yeah, there is a yeah, ban. See, yeah. So that's, you know, it's, it's there. But what I do want to say is, first of all, the people in Fermi that were, that were protesting on Saturday, some of them are violent. People have got, they've got terrible abuse and they say, oh, you don't care about our own. I know quite a few of them over there. They work with homeless charities. Some of them have done voluntary fundraising for penny dinners. Some of them have volunteers for meals and wheels. They do care about our own, but they don't just blame. And were they local? Were they local? They were. Some okay. of them were, it was a Mallow and for It wasn't just a for my. It was Mallow and for my. Okay, okay. You there were locals. I wouldn't call it a protest. Really, it was more of a rally of support, wasn't it? It was a rally of support. Yeah. Yes. Okay. But I, the the the, red, the protest march that was there the week before. Like the people that are, I will tell you now, I'm not afraid to say this. The people that are on that were instigating those marches, the same as above in Dublin, they haven't been at any of the of the homeless rallies talking. They haven't been at any of the cost of living rallies talking. They haven't, and yeah, they're all talk about the homeless. They have their own rallies, the though. They have their own rallies right across the country. They have rallies against refugees. That's a different thing completely to to uh, having a. a proper educated conversation okay. about okay. the homeless crisis and about the cost of living crisis okay. where you if you could actually if they could actually come out and talk about the homeless and the cost of living and the housing crisis without blaming, blaming the refugees then I would say fine ok thank you for that we'll come back after 11 thank you Rosari text 0868 104 106 back after 11 
I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench, every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Frienderville Show Okay, back to phone lines in a few minutes time guys We've got a lot to give away as well Between now and midday today We've got our big box of offbeat donuts So text as to why you deserve a box of these Circles of obsessions from offbeat donuts On French Church Street Text 0868 106 As well as that of course We've got the turkey and hams to give away Courtesy of Jimmy Crowley Butchers Mill Road But um, I just want to do this because I'll run out of time a little later on. We have our family passes for Fundamania, the Christmas Village experience out on the Tremor Road, just opposite Musgrave Park. It opens on the 16th of December and I promise family tickets every time you hear a Christmas song. So with that in mind, 0818 Perfectly acceptable now to be playing Christmas songs, I'm sure you'll all agree. Anyway, I see already Pauline Murphy from Newtown Court in Grange has snaffled a family pass for Fundamania. We've got him to give away right across the week. Back to the phone lines we go. Pat, good morning. Morning. Can you hear me okay? Yes, I can. All right, you want to pick up on my conversation with Rosari before 11, so go for it. What's on your mind? Um, basically, uh, these people that are coming to this country are coming from far different backgrounds. Uh, some are coming from shanty towns, some are coming from maybe living in the bush or whatever, and they're coming from uh, different. So the mental side of things for them to be coming to a country like this is a, a shock to their system. Because even in the shanty towns, they're living in overcrowded conditions. There's all the different uh, stuff that goes with it. And when they come to even a place, uh, as you were talking about earlier, a quiet place like Fermi, it's a shock to their system. In what way is it a shock? Uh, it's a shock to go from an overcrowded um you know, shanty town, or to go even from somebody living in a remote bush area to go into a like a remote tiny village in some obscure area of Africa. Yeah. Yes. But, yes. Yeah, so yeah. they're they're going then to a quiet place that's not overcrowded, that hasn't all those problems and all those social problems that are there. A place like Fermi or wherever, and even you saw there in Clondalk and there were moving people to places like Brough and Limerick. Now, before this war ever started, I spoke about this uh, one day on a radio station. Uh, they were going putting uh, refugees into a hotel in a remote area. Now, I said, this is not a thing to do with racism. Uh, And the people were protesting about this hotel. And what they were protesting about was the likes of that area had maybe one doctor Mm. and a small school to accommodate a certain amount of children. Let us also bear in mind that the good people of Blarney, I don't know if it's been resolved, they have no doctor at all. Yeah, but you see, this is the problem, and this is what people are saying. But unfortunately, the government puts all this down as racist or far left or whatever. But these people have genuine concerns. Because, like, I have 
and my wife's family are living in in U- UK. Now, from what, what I gather there, I think it's about two weeks before you can see a doctor there. We're fortunate enough here that we can ring the doctor, maybe in one or two days, we can see that doctor and get our concerns uh, dealt with. Now, if we have this influx of people and we have one doctor in a small area and all of a sudden, as happened in this place in Roscommon, they were putting 300 uh, people into this hotel. You have 300 people now looking for that one doctor so you'd now go to a system like in yes uh, the I know UK, I can't argue with that I can't weeks. argue with that in an overburdened medical system I know what you're saying it leads and like it what's leads really to sad about this as well is about the, t- the accommodation with teachers and like I've been a parent and I say decide that one of my kids go to college um, uh, qualify as a teacher and they're, they're in a position where they can't take up a pose because there's no accommodation. So there's an awful lot of issues here and none of this is racism. This is down uh, to our thinking on the people. Now I, I dealt with an awful lot of different Yeah but you see it goes further than that then. They're, you know there are those that aren't happy alleged criminality or you know, w- wishing for guard checks and every time there's somebody in the courts who's got a different name to us, who comes from a different country than us, th- immigrants who come here, they all get blamed for crime and criminality, you know, and it's, it's very unfair. Go, like, it's very unfair that they're painted with the one brush. Now, uh, as happened in Ireland, and I know myself growing up, there was often guys, uh, mostly guys, that left our area, and we were of the opinion where we hope we never see them again, <laughs> and because they were a burden today, and everyone knew them, and they were trouble. Now I often wonder: Are some of them here coming here because their parents want to be just rid of them, and they don't ever want to see them? I don't, I know, don't know about I, that. I mean, like, there's a lovely chap. I don't think he can come on here now at the moment, but I hope to get him tomorrow. He came from Chad, and he says people are complaining about the immigrants, but. You have to go to the source of the problem, he says to me. They're blaming the wrong people here. I came from no, Chad. I he I says, no, but here, here's what he said. Here's what he says anyway. And I hope to chat with him hopefully tomorrow. He says, I came here from Chad after fleeing from war during the rebellion in Chad. I can tell you absolutely nobody chooses to leave their own country and go through trying to secure all the paperwork just to get into Ireland to get the dole. We all want to live and work and prosper in our own country. But people are fleeing war. They're fleeing persecution. They're running from countries that are falling into chaos and violence. That's what he says. Mind you, it made me think, actually, the chaos that they were fleeing to come here is like the chaos that young Irish people are fleeing now to go to Australia. Yeah, well, you see, if we had a proper, and I said this to you on the last time I was on the show, if we had this handled properly, uh, this problem wouldn't be coming up. If we had genuine people fleeing war or genuine people coming to this country, we are welcome. We have no problem. We might put up with maybe having to see the doctor every four or five days. We'll put up with these things because if, if, it, if these are genuine. Um, but like speaking even to people in the naval service they tell you there um, that you hear on the media oh these people were uh, two weeks out at sea and we picked them up these people might be only out there five or ten minutes and ring them and what was sick well I don't know I mean that's insane to say that some might have been others were longer and there was fellas who came from Africa and came all the way to Europe and they spent I don't know how many was it two weeks on the rudder of a ship 
Six of well, them that's sitting an on the rudder. case, but um, they didn't know how um, the rest of them are playing um, a certain system. You know. Oh, and, and I know the ones that are tearing up the passports on the planes. I get, I get, well, I understand like, this all of that. This is what's wrong, and this is what's angered in people, and it's not racism. And to be straight up with you now, and I dealt with an awful lot of different nationalities and driver training, and an awful lot of them will tell you, even in relation to these ones that shouldn't be coming here, not the genuine ones, they'll tell you that they have come here to work here, they have a nice life, they have uh, they're rearing their family and they have a problem with these uh, people that are coming here that shouldn't be coming here. So like this, and they're not But who are these people people that shouldn't be coming? Who are these people? These people are the ones um, the economic migrants is what I suppose. Well you you, you may have a point there because no, I, I have, um, and as I said, we all have a point, and none of us want to be classed as racist. And everyone wants to do their bit, and everyone wants to help these genuine people that are genuinely fleeing. But what we have to think about is the genuine, decent people that are trying to go about their lives. In so I tried to give you an example of that. If somebody is here, say from another country, and let's say a Ukrainian refugee, they ought automatically get um, the accommodation. It's, it's not great by any means means a stretch of the imagination, but they get a welfare payment and they get a medical card. When they get the medical card, are they assigned a GP? Well, you see, this is where I have a problem with this. But are, like, are they? Do, do you know if they get I don't the books know, of a GP? See, not, I don't know much about that system, but where I have a problem with this is we had legal obligation from genuine people that were fleeing war to, uh, to feed them and uh, put a roof over their head. I don't know where this social welfare and this medical care and this bus path came into it. And this is what confuses and this is what angers people. And I don't know where this building modular houses came into it either. Or, so like what we have is we have to do our best with the resources we have to try and give these people a roof. And like I don't think the people of Fermi would uh, see, have a problem if they saw that this was a genuine pit and that these people were genuinely fleeing war I don't think because I dealt with people in Fermi over the years I, I done sales and things in those areas and as, have you as, seen, overall okay. have the you Irish see, people are very welcome okay. and they're not racist people. but have you seen the videos uh, and, and how I've, truthful and accurate are they of these big flash cars with Ukrainian ridges on them? Well you see I don't get into that because okay. this is only um, starting it up and okay. I believe all oh, that's bull you know and I don't get into it to be straight up with you now, there is um, some of them that have come here that probably worked in, they probably have businesses, they probably have to flash care, but you'll have some idiot then that put this on media. But they're still fleeing war, although they may be doctors or engineers or well paid in Ukraine, they still have left their life there to come here. They happen yeah, to well, have a I flash card to get them here. All these nationalities in business and are very decent, nice people, and I, as I said, yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. racist. No, I mean, I just been trying way. to put it in perspective there because in Blarney, they have all sorts of chaos trying to get a GP, so much so that apparently 600 people with medical cards in the Blarney area, according to Councillor Ken O'Flynn, have now been transferred to a, part, a practice in Balancholic because they haven't got their own GP. So they take two buses to Balancholic and two buses back to Blarney. See, that's like the that's state ridiculous. of the health system. That's ridiculous. And like, as I said, would you see where then people of, of Blarney have a problem? And would you class that as racist that they're cribbing, that they're... Now, you're talking about a genuinely sick person that has to get on a bus and take that journey. Yes, and that they journey are genuine. And some of them are quite elderly, getting two buses yes, to Balancholic. Yes, that, that's wrong. And these people have worked hard all their life to have... 
whatever bits and pieces they have and now they're being chucked into a bus and down the road and it's a barbaric way of handling things and like as I said they have the government in this they've got a lot of things wrong but okay. this is one thing that they need to think of is the old and the people that contribute to this country and work hard in this country they, they, they deserve not the people coming into this country these people deserve to be handled with a bit more humanity because there's no humanity coming into to this. I don't know what uh, way this government are thinking, but the one thing they are not thinking about is the old and vulnerable people. And I see it even from a road safety point of view. um, They carry on on roads and everything. As I said, um, we need to get, we need to respect these people. Okay, let me let let Jenny in on the story. Thank you on the conversation. Thank you, Pat. Jenny, good morning. Listen, thank you so much for holding. Uh, What's on your mind? Thanks, Neil. I just wanted to text in. I just texted in and Seamus rang me to see if I wanted to come on and talk. Delighted you did. Well done for speaking about this issue. I know there are many people who are afraid to speak up in fear of being called racist. And I'd just like to start off by saying I have no issue with genuine Ukrainian asylum seekers and other people coming into the country. They'd be refugees, yeah. yeah. I think I there, is no, a, there is a, there, there is a no difference issue. between an asylum seeker and a, and a refugee. But anyway, that, yeah, that's I've, for another day. I have no issue. So, so far, the government, this is the International Protection Office statistics, so far they've taken in 64,000 Ukrainian refugees. Yeah. And 17,000 are from elsewhere. Yeah. But I'd just like to say that they've also, the International Protections Office have also released that the migrants from Georgia have increased tenfold in the last 10 months. It went from 215 last year to 2,300 this year. So there's 2,300 people from Georgia coming that is classified as a safe zone. Yeah, I, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll check the figure. I think you probably, you I think you probably well. are right. You probably are right, but I will check it. Also, also from Algeria, went from 100 last year to okay. 1,380. Okay, have, I have so it here now. I have it here now. I have it here now. Non-Ukrainian applicants for asylum, including Georgia, 2,300 applicants in the first 10 months of this year, a yeah. tenfold increase on last year's figure. There has been a yeah. staggering 2,000% increase in asylum applications from Algeria, increasing from less than 100 last year to 1318 since January of this year. There are similar staggering increases, according to Matty McGrath, with people coming from Somalia, Nigeria and Albania. And I'd like to say, Neil, I have nothing against these people that are coming here because they're fleeing probably a crappy life and they want to come to Ireland for a better life, Okay, I can understand why that that person would come here because our minister... Roderick O'Gorman tweeted out in Arabic, Somali, Urdu and Georgia that there was going to be a new system put in place in Ireland that the asylum, that the, the direct provision was changing and that each person who That's came here claiming asylum postponed. would be given, yeah but the, he, he tweeted it out Neil, so he put it out to the whole lot of the world that Ireland's system is changing, that the families will be given their own door accommodation so it's the actual government's policies that are causing this. Here's what, Irish, he, here's what he said. Firstly, turning, direct yeah. provision was to end... Um, originally, it was supposed to end last year, and then it got long-fingered, and it's been long-fingered again. And he, he said at the time that asylum seekers will get keys to their own homes and will be able to work, um, and that they would get their own accommodation after four months. Yeah. Now, I thought that was a daft thing to say, because how is he going to deliver that, like... 
Exactly. And he's, he's bringing in people who are actually fleeing a life and coming here for a better life. And he's putting them in, in equestrian centres and in old ESB buildings, like women and children into these scenarios. They're being treated like livestock. It's like a massive human trafficking scam because the people, the likes but of not, that are taking n- up the... But not if Roderick O'Gorman is right, where asylum seekers would get their own front door key. Isn't that what he's saying? Within four months. How can he promise that when he can't even house the 11,000 homeless in Irish? That's my point. It's an insane thing yeah. to say. So he's going to go away. The government now are going to go away and do a massive land grab. And they're going to they're going to take up all these contracts with hotels and empty buildings. And they're going to pump millions into it to refurbishing these places for these asylum seekers. And yes, there's no money being put into the healthcare system. Well, the healthcare system are actually looking for a big bailout right now of like two billion or something so he's going he's promising all this thing the government failing policies now are going to cripple Ireland okay. and the okay. Irish people are turning on each other and the likes of Fermoy now where they came out and said an all refu- refugee welcome rally there, has there been any talk about the very serious crimes that have been co- committed in Fermoy in the last two weeks that have been reported in the Irish Times a girl was found raped she was left in a dark can't go, can't go can't go there that's before the courts and anything to do with that court case is sub judice at this that. point you if you were to talk that. about other incidents for instance where there had been a resulting court I'd be happy to talk to you about it but yeah, not this one but I think well, can that I speak it's about but my local town McCroom where I'm actually living because this is why I've actually started to speak out about it and for all those people who are calling me racist on Twitter like these faceless trolls because I'm, I'm speaking about my local town it's a joke they say what, what have you ever done for homeless or where have you been before they don't even know me I'm speaking about my local town there's 30 people going into the old old pen, pen building and it's been actually said from the horse's mouth the manager of the direct, direct vision centre in McCroom that it's going to be 30 men from international protection it's not going to be Ukrainian When's this happening? I, I know that building it looks to me as if it's, it's been just it's sitting there for a long time ready. No it's ready now they refurbished it the cameras in it's all painted the rooms are ready they're just waiting for them and now they have another building on the main street of McCroom earmarked it was an old movie land building so it was like an old office kind of auctioneer right. building in the past. Okay, and how and many? How many, indiv- how many? How many individuals? They want to put fifteen in there. But if it's women and children, it's a disgrace. It's not even. It's not suitable at all. It's not a proper building for people. They're treating them like livestock. They're bringing people over. Their people are actually travelling over, paying big money to come into Ireland because Roderick O'Gorman has promised them a house, and they come here. You think that they have paid traffickers to get them here? Do you? Ah, uh, Neil, come on. They came out no, there. No, come on, I'm asking you. No, I don't they, know. They, they, but they, they said it in the Evening Echo a couple of weeks ago that there's human trafficking going on in every single town in this country. Yeah, yeah, but uh, human trafficking involving people who have paid to come here to seek course, asylum and yes, refugee, not, not, not human trafficking for sex trade. Who knows? Because there's men coming with children. We don't. They come in with no documents. They throw their documents away. 3,000 of them have thrown their documents away. They could come in with two children and say, I'm their father. Do you know what I mean? They, there's, there's just like, there's the, the, the government yeah, are leaving. You're being alarmist now, though, saying something like that. I'm not being alarmist, Neil, because wasn't there an issue there not so long ago when there was a girl, a Ukrainian girl, found with another man in a, in a hotel and he wasn't the father of the child? That's right. The that child was. was taken in by Tusla. That's only one thing that's been, been let out on the mainstream media. All and and But the, the, the location that you've identified, the Penn building, was that, was that a hotel or was it a bar or what was it? It used to be a hostel. A and hostel. It, was a, it was a restaurant years ago. And okay. right now, like, well, that would be suitable for people. But, who, but right now... Who's been earmarked to, to move in there? 
Turkey international protection um, uh, men. And what are international protection men? Are they men that arrived Not here with... from Ukraine. They're from different countries that are seeking asylum. Okay. Asylum. They, that arrived protection. with or without documentation? Well, I can't confirm that. But okay, well done for saying you can't confirm it. it. Okay. Yeah, okay. The manager has said that it is Turkey males, not from Ukraine. Okay, and how did, how, did everybody, how did everybody, how is everybody getting along with all of the residents in the old hotel who've been there for quite a long time? The people of McCroom are so welcoming to genuine, like, you know, people who are looking for help. Like, they've been don- donating toys, clothes. They've, the children have been integrated into society. They get a little bus taken to their school. Like, they're, They've, they've been welcomed with open arms and women and children are welcomed with open arms but why are all these young men coming here? When so the worry would be these 30 men who are coming from wherever without any background checks, is it? Yeah, because okay. we don't know if they're paedophiles okay. or if they have criminal records and then people will say but you don't know everybody in your in your town, you don't know them but when you come from a small town and when there's going to be 30 men put into one building and then they're planning on putting 15 into another building and there's also an empty little building that's currently being cleared out, which could hold up to 200 plus. So we just don't know because the government are buying up all these buildings. So the people of the town want to welcome genuine asylum seekers, people that are fleeing war. They want so what to we them. see in Formoy, could we see that uh, those kind of protests in Macroom then? Like... Why can't the people of McCroom, why can't the councillors and everybody have a big meeting and say that there's 30 men going into Pennsylvania to have, let's have a town meeting and let's say, OK, who are these men? Can we get them involved in the mention? Can we get to know them? Because if they're just going to be strangers left languish in a tiny hotel room with nothing left to do all day and they're I going know, to be just I walking know, around the street, what's going to happen? Can they not be integrated properly? There's no consultation. With you the understand the worries then of people in the East Wall where they had all of these coachloads of men uh, arriving in the dead of night unannounced. It's they're, terrifying. They're, and why is it done in the dead of night? Yeah. Why can't they okay. be welcomed properly and not be treated like livestock smuggled in? All right. Thank you, Jenny. Text 0868104106. Seamus and Jim, I hope you can hold on. I just need to take a break. So please don't go away if you can. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818104106. Red FM. To the phone lines we go. Seamus, good morning. <coughs> Good morning, Neil. How are okay, you? Okay, I'm going to squeeze in as much as I can in the 15 minutes. So go ahead. For my, I'll just complete. Yeah, I completely agree with um, that That's caller, right. Jenny, and the previous caller as well. Yeah. Um, I think what's happening is absolutely disgraceful. Um, what's disgraceful you know, about what? Well, just I just think the the manner in which it's all done. You know, we've uh, opened door policy as a result of Michal Martin, Simon Coveney, and Leo Varadkar's uh, policies. So we have an open door basically to anyone who claims refuge from anywhere in the world um, and wants to stay in Ireland. But, you know, if one of my questions is really is like, if these are legitimate refugees that we're talking about, why are they coming in bus loads and um, men arriving in bus loads and being dropped off into uh, units inside the unused buildings? Because they um, would, the, like, the reason you're seeing them in bus, in bus loads or coaches is they would have been other places all brought together and then moved to a new location. It's not as if they all came they, in on the way one bus. Arriving with no they didn't all arrive on the same plane. Yeah, I understand that. Like, but why are they arriving with no documentation whatsoever? Some of these people have been interviewed as well by other people. You know, you're not going to get it in the mainstream media in RT or whatever because they don't want you to know what the truth affected them. You know, a lot of people can hear and feel and see that around them right now. But like, what, they have why people that what? Sorry. 
Well, the people have been interviewed. It's out there on social media whereby they've been asking questions of the people who have been arriving. They're coming from anywhere in the world with no documentation. If you have a legitimate refugee being transported into the country, like why are they all arriving with no documentation? Okay, well, you can fix that. You could just uh, not allow anybody into the country, like in America or Canada or Australia, that doesn't have the proper paperwork. You just tell them no and send them back. That's that's where we fall into the two spheres now of the, the sphere of like, the electorate and the people of this country and the way they want their country run and then you feel the sphere which is the politicians who basically you know but you have to have border controls people are presented by passport and border control if they have the right documentation they can come in it could be a holiday or working visa whatever and if you don't have that you can't come in so that's perfectly normal around the world well will you tell the the government that Neil because I'd love to hear a response on that one um, next time I'm in conversation with them, I'll bring it up again for sure. I will. We'll bring it up with Simon Coveney, who had some horrendous words with yourself there, um, and I know he was using very threatening language, more or less brandishing yourself for your rhetoric with the with the public and the rhetoric of the callers. Ah, uh, well, I mean, he fails so. to understand the difference between how I feel and how people contacting my program feel. Uh, I yeah. have to keep it as balanced as I can. I just wonder if they're preparing for sometime in the spring. When not all of the hotels and B&Bs and holiday accommodation will be asking and evicting Ukrainian refugees, but a proportion of them will, because they'll want the summer business back again. What do they intend doing then? See, that's, and that's, I mean, that's a $64 million question, isn't it? Really? When you look at the way the government have been running things, they, they, they don't look at the people of this country or the children of this country as the future. They don't look at it that way. This is where the two spheres are just going to collide now, especially after Christmas. Because it's like the Sims game to, to the current Irish government under Fianna Gael, Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil um, in terms of how they operate or, or you know, run the departments. We, we'll deal with one crisis after the other or we'll react to this and then we'll react to that when that goes wrong. So it's like, it's like playing a game of the Sims on a computer. That's how they see this country. They don't see your children or your grandchildren as the future of this country and how to protect that at some level. Because they're leaving. To, they uh, are leaving. Well, they're le- yeah, they're leaving in their droves. But, like, at the end of the day... They're leaving, and I've and seen it. I'm see- even seeing it in the hamper emails that I'm getting. A huge amount of them are really young people sad. who have left for Australia in the last 12 yeah. months. Yeah, that's really and Their mammies are on to me looking for a hamper for their children who've been forced to immigrate. Not because they can't get a job. They can, but yeah. everything else is just a basket case. And it's yeah, and it's really sad, and that's a breakdown of the you know the Irish family units within its own country, like as a result of failed okay. government policy that doesn't deliver for the people of this country. It delivers for European delegates because at the end of the day, Simon Coveney is treasonous in terms of how he's treating the people of this country. He's got his head up the asses of the delegates in Europe, and he doesn't see anything in terms of the future of this country. He doesn't care. He's got his own, he's a globalist. Simon Coveney never ever said, it was Micheál Martin said there wouldn't be any cap on Ukrainian war refugees. That's true, but Simon Coveney is having his own meeting. So that guy is in the dark and around Europe tying with our neutrality at the moment with some very dangerous words and I don't think he's, I just don't think he's capable of the position anymore and he probably knows he's on his way at the door to some job in Europe. Put Here, two fingers to the Irish people. Here's no, the thing, right? Somebody, somebody comes on air in the shape of Jenny talking about the pen building in McCroom and that there will be a lot of men coming in there and they don't know where they are from or who they are or whether or not they've been vetted or whether they arrived yeah. with documentation and that it's been converted and has been finished now to take asylum seekers and refugees. Personal yeah. solicitors have been in touch uh, regarding my conversation with Jenny and the solicitors said that... Um, the building referenced by Jenny on air is actually being developed downstairs as a commercial unit and upstairs as a three-bed apartment, and it will be let through the normal process for anyone to apply for it. So there's another inaccuracy. I don't know. 
I, I genuinely believe that Jenny may have thought it was going to house 30 um, men, but it isn't. It's going to be a shop downstairs and a three-bed apartment upstairs. Full stop. Yeah, that's what's there to go. Maybe there is a, you know, there's a mistake being made there. But when we look at East Wall in Dublin, and 700 men overnight just effectively dropped into a building with nothing to do and, the f- and unchecked as well, which is more frightening. When you yeah, but how do you not know that many of their life stories are a million while, miles away from what people are suggesting? Well, this is where the two spheres are going to collide eventually in the new year, Neil, in 2023, whereby Irish people will realise the size of the country that we have, the size of the population that we have, the size of the problems that we have, and realise that our children are not to be used as scapegoats for political ideology and political goals to salvage the problems of the rest of the world. Unfortunately, right. that's not our role in this Okay, world. thank you, Seamus. We, we are great Irish people that help, you know, uh, people around the world, you know, in, a, in the right way. But this is this is mass systemic systemic immigration, um, treasonous acts by this government, and the, the, the spheres will collide in the new year. And hopefully, there will be some form of change. Of thank you, Seamus. I'll talk to Jim in a second. Also, thank you to personal solicitors for clarifying exactly what is proposed for that building in McCroom. Jim, good morning. Hey, how are you, boy? Good, good, good. I, I suppose the first thing that's already said to say here, everybody here, you know, having fear over the refugee and the migrants coming in, you know, it's very sad that we're after coming to that point in Ireland, you know. Um, and I suppose we have to go back a few years, really, and think, and, and look at the people that are coming in. A lot of them are e- economic migrants, some of the men or whatever, right? And they're leaving their countries more just for money, right? And just for a better lifestyle, they send a lot of money home, you know? And that's a legacy of the European governments for the last 50 years, where you know, they, they look their nose down on African countries, Eastern European countries, and we never developed those countries and gave them, um, you know, good factories and good places to live where they should have good tourism. It's where our fault as Europeans. We allowed, this, we allowed our governments to do this for the last 50 years. You know, simple things like, um, you know, like bananas that you can get from Africa, whether it's Ugandan bananas or whatever. We don't import those things here. So we have to blame not just the Irish government, we have to blame the English government and all the other governments of Europe. For how, do we get to, how did we get to importing bananas, please? Well, well you know, the choice, I think, come from South America and a, they've got it locked into Europe. They sell all their, 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 their bananas in Europe. The bananas grow on, all, all, over the, all over the continents, you know, but we just, there's no hope in hell we allow an African banana in here. Just a simple thing, like a banana, you know, that's a European directive, you know, that's wrong. And this is what's causing it. If we don't invest in the likes of countries like, you know, like Albania, um, the, the Ugandas, the Tanzanias, the Kenyans, all those um, countries. Well, just a list yes, from we- earlier this morning, which would be uh, men uh, or indeed families coming from Algeria, Turkey, Georgia, Jordan, Africa, Afghanistan, Somalia and Syria. Do we have an obligation? We, we, we certainly have an obligation to, to do good commerce with them. And we'd say we'd just take Nigeria, no, no, the, to, worst, for, for, the worst for the, one. For, yeah, for, for, those, you know, for those citizens to come here and to well, live. If, the, if those countries were run correctly, especially Nigeria, is a very wealthy country, very oil-rich country. And like, we should be putting manners on the governments there to get their, their act together so that Nigerians would come here, probably want, want to live, arrive here as equals as well, and certainly go home and, and they come on holidays. But maybe there'll but never be a time, it. because if that's the policy, you know, that, you know, people can come and, you know, and then apply while they're here and not be sent home, um, maybe the government know more than us. Maybe they believe that we will never be overwhelmed and that it will be workable and that we need it for our labour force. Well, it's overwhelmed, as it is, Neil. It, you know... 
come on, you can hear your radio station. Not everybody that comes in is going to go to work. Which listen, you can't get to a hospital, you can't get a doctor's appointment. Uh, people can't get uh, autism. Yet the refugees can get it overnight. We're overwhelmed. Let's, we're there. We're at the all overwhelmed point. We were there before the immigration and the migration started here. We couldn't handle it, and that's just all bad government. That's not. That's just that we do it wrong, you know. Yeah. I know. No, we've all these extra people, and they're coming into a system that's broken, you know. Um, I mean, you see, you see, if you come in as a migrant here and you have a child that needs autism, you get all the benefits overnight. If you're an Irish person, you can uh, whistle. Well, wait a second, that's not right. hang on a second. You, that's the point I was asking earlier on. How do you know that it's automatic? You may, you may well get a medical card, but I'm asking the question again. I'll have to check it myself. If you well, get a med- lady, no, wait a second. If you get a medical card, are you automatically assigned to a GP? Now, if you get a medical card and you automatically get a GP, that's very upsetting for people who are Irish who can't get a GP or can't get automatically referred to a GP. Like Blarney is an example of the hundreds of people oh, in Blarney. Or Neil, or can't get a medical care. Let's, let's push it another bit, you know. Look, we, we're all, we all know, know that if you're Irish, you're, you're, you're about to be put down the list. If you come in as a migrant or a refugee, you do get the benefits. So let's, you get let's into a dorm. Say, you get into a dorm with a few planks of wood separating you from the next cot. Oh, the refugees here. There's refugees here for the last 20 years. They're not in dorms anymore. They have beautiful homes and they have all the benefits. And please God, their children will walk well in the country. That's where we wanted to go. Yeah, well, if they got the a home, they probably got, a, probably got it from themselves. And they worked for it and they paid the rent on it and might have been lucky and enough to get a mortgage. The rest of us are doing it. But if you're, listen, if you're 25 or 30 years of age, you know and you're living in this country and you've got a good job, you're not getting a house. You if have I was 25 years that's, that's of age, man, I'd be gone. But then again, when I was 25 years of age, I was gone. It was a shocking time. Gone, yeah. The yeah, only yeah, thing yeah. you had if you weren't there was down on White Street on a Tuesday and a Thursday to sign your chit. Pick up your feet. Uh, but it was great crack down there and all going into the door office. Why you forgot there early, you got pushed up the stairs. There was great crap on she man opened the door. That was great fun. There was nothing but, funny uh, about it. It was awful. It was miserable. It was depressing. But that was the government's fault back then as well. You couldn't, straight out, you couldn't straight take out of school and straight on to the doll. Nothing charming yeah, they about didn't. that. Yeah, they didn't. So most fellas got trades back then. There was, there was good living there, Neil. It wasn't as bad as what it is now. You, you, know? you obviously don't recall the queues in White Street in the early 80s. I do recall the queues. I do. I remember they were going way out the door. But the queues are there today as well. The same number of people are signing on to benefits today, except that they put them in different categories. They've done it online. The same people. You have millions of people. You have, you have 1.1 million people with bus passes in this country. Yes, but that's an automatic entitlement due to age or disability. Yeah, but they're not working. They're... they're do you know what? It's just put, it's the same number of people doing nothing, but okay. there's just, you right. don't queue well, up anymore. Okay. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. I just I recall it firsthand. I stayed on I mean, the door. I, I stayed on the door for about three or four weeks and I found it absolutely mortifying. I just hated it. I absolutely oh, well, hated it. Oh, a lot of people emigrated because of it, you it know. Did. But yeah. just because you don't see the queues today, Neil, doesn't mean that people haven't done it. It's yeah. just that. The government have made it invisible. It's right. online. Okay, okay. That's it. Okay. It's still right. Okay, thanks, Jim. I'm going to pick it up in the morning. Right, Dan, right, 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 right. my apologies to people who didn't get on it. Dan, are you in a position to talk to me in the morning? Yeah, perfect, Neil. Do you yeah, mind? 100%. Thank you, pal. Cheers, pal. Out of time for now. Thank you. Uh, a lot of texts and emails to do this side of quitting time. Massive response. 
to that and many things I didn't even get to which I want to come back to in the morning. Just a couple of shout outs though for donuts. We would love the donuts. We are My Cork GP in the North Main Street Shopping Centre. We need some nice, something nice to help us get through the week, says Gillian. Can I recommend the girls in Magic Vacations in Kinsale for your donuts? They helped me out big time last week and got me where I needed to be. Tracy, you don't tell us where that was. I hope there was sunshine. I'd like to ask for the box of donuts. My daughter is sick at the moment. She deserves a lovely treat and my husband lately can eat any amount of donuts. Uh, I live in a house, in housing in the Lions Club in Carrigaline. It would cheer up my neighbours and I if we could have those lovely donuts. I listen to you every day. It would be so nice. Please send them our way, says Marion. I think our team systems and training deserve a box of donuts. We have our secret Santa exchange on Friday and a special delivery of donuts would be a lovely touch, says Mar- Marie in uh, Gillade Sciences. Just one or two more. Box of donuts to Inishannon Parish Hall. There are 12 of us training in CPR and defibrillators using rapid response. And a final one, my daughter deserves the donuts today from Offbeat Donuts. I got cross with her this morning and she went to school very sad. <laughs> I could literally cry. I feel so bad. She loves donuts. It would surely make her day and I solemnly swear to keep calm from now on. <laughs> I love that. I mean, I love that. The only problem is you're way down in West Cork. I don't know how I'm going to swing that one. Um, I know how you feel. In the moment, you raise your voice or you get cranky or you even get angry with your children and they go out the door and then you regret it. You just regret it. I love that one. See what I can do with that one. And I also love the one from Lions Club Carrigaline. Cheer up my neighbours if you give them some lovely donuts. That sounds to me as if Marion in the Lions Club in Carrigaline housing would share them with all of the neighbours. So I'll see what I can do when I get off the air. Uh, West Cork, don't know if they can get the Red Patrollers that far down, but I love the story because I know exactly how you feel with children. They would just melt your heart, wouldn't they? And you always end up feeling guilty, right? The Neil Brenderville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday, 0818-104-106. And I just was mentioning that uh, the donuts today for all of those living in the housing provided by the Lions Club in Carrigaline on the basis that Marion will go around and share them with all of her neighbours. Meanwhile, Claire in West Cork, uh, while I can't send you donuts because I can't get them to you, and I know you're upset because your daughter went to school very sad because you gave out to her, you got cross with her. Um, I tell you what, I'll try and do, or I'll chat with Claire and see if we can get offbeat donuts to provide with a voucher so you can tell your daughter when she comes in today, you'll never believe what happened today. I rang Neil Prendable and he wants to send you an offbeat donut voucher. And the next time we're up in Cork City doing a bit of shopping, I'm taking you for donuts and you can eat, well, not as many as you can, but you can have a good cross-section of the donuts in Offbeat Donut and hopefully that will cheer her up today. So let me know, Claire, if that works for you and good luck with it. Finally, um, I was mentioning earlier on in the programme that Jimmy Crowley Butchers in the Mill Road in Middleton, 15 consecutive years now, they've been in the Best of Ireland McKenna Guides Awards and that commit that really is a serious commitment to keep the standards up that high, to be gold medal winners, particularly for their spiced beef. A family recipe passed down from his granddad. Uh, so we have a turkey and ham to give away every day this week, today being no exception, courtesy of ourselves and Jim Crowley Butchers, Mill Road, Middleton. So get on the phone now, pick up the phone 0818-104-106 and sort yourself out for a turkey and ham this side of Christmas and good luck with that. Finally, on the topic that I touched on, one of the many this morning, workers with a history of employment who paid um, over five years of tax will have their welfare if they lose their job. Not if you quit or anything, but if you lose your job, 450 euro will be the max. You'll go, you know, at the moment it's 208. January will go to 220. 
but people who paid for five years or longer, uh, and that would be people who paid a lot of tax, will get 60% of their earnings capped at 450 euro. Uh, Ryan says, it's reasonable. People, living, people live within their means. And if you're on, say, 600 a week, then the 200 from welfare doesn't go anywhere. One or two more. Makes sense. You get out what you put in. Uh, so it would be interesting to see how many people would walk from a job. No, I don't think you can walk from the job and say, I'm going to just take 60% of it. You have, you have to lose your job and it would have to be proven. Uh, that should have happened 50 years ago, but it never happened. PRSI, pay-related social insurance. I think it should happen and it's fair that it should happen. Mind you, some people never worked a day in their lives and they get dole and all of the add-ons. Now, that's unfair. Um, yes, I agree with it. The people who would receive the 450 are the ones who paid a lot of tax during their employment and they deserve a higher allowance if they lose their job. Nothing for the self-employed, I see. Even if they get sick, they get nothing, says Alma. Anyone, and then Tim says, anyone who's a top earner, I'm sure, won't stay on the dole for too long and will be back looking for a job. It's only right they get paid more since they're only getting their own money back. Philip says it's long overdue. The scroungers who refuse to work, not the people who are unable to work for whatever reason, but the scroungers who refuse to work have for, t- for, have for far too long gotten each and every benefit that there is. And that's what's unfair, says Philip. Anthony says the government encourages people not to work. Sometimes you're better on social welfare than working. And there's another few of those that I hope to return to in the morning. Uh, text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Um, text from Claire. No way. I'm crying now. Poor little pet. We were going to head up soon for the fluffy snoods. So that would be fantastic. Oh, great. We have a result on that. Yes. I thought when, when you said no way, you mean yes way. You know the way the world is now? Everything's the opposite. Anyway, delighted. So I'll sort out some vouchers, get them sorted for you, get them in the post, and you can tell your daughter when you're heading up to the city and you were planning on doing that anyway, you're going to have a trip to Offbeat Donuts. You won't be disappointed. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.